0: Well, in this show, very interesting comedian Jeff Leach joins us, acclaimed film director. Oh, you're going to know all those movies. Andrew Davis is with us as well. From the Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring and news, and it's all coming up right after this.
1: Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like Holiday Movie Favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.
2: From Corolla One Studios in Glendale, California, this is The Adam Corolla Show. Adam's guest today, the director of The Fugitive and Under Siege, Andrew Davis. From Lady Ballers and The Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring. And comedian, Jeff Leach. And now, looking forward to picking out a rubber plant to decorate this weekend. Adam Carolla.
0: Yeah, get it on. Got to get on a choice, but got on mandate. Get it on, and welcome to the show. Appreciate you uh, sharing with a friend. Now, we're a little bit of a skeleton crew today because uh, Mike Dawson is out of town, and Chris Maxipata has fallen ill So he's working from home, so he'll be with us for the news and, like, tweets and things like that. Jeff Leach is in studio. He's a comedian. He's a commentator. He's an actor. He's got a stand-up special, and it's called The Jeff Leach, A Comedy Spectacular. And you can watch it right now
3: on uh, YouTube. Good to see you, Jeff. Good to see you, too. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: So I studied up on you a little
3: bit. Oh, yeah? What did you find out? What did you dig out of the... uh... Yeah, well, uh,
0: well an, an interesting story, I guess, um, some battles with depression, some battles maybe with substance, a friend that uh, OD'd, a father that died of alcoholism very shortly oh, thereafter, uh, <laughs> posing as a male prostitute. We're
3: starting with all the positive stuff, I yeah. can see. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, i had an uh, interesting life, that's for certain. Yeah, do, do you start off as an actor? Um, I started off as a... Uh, DJing, a radio presenter, actually, uh-huh. uh, back in the UK. So when I was at college um, studying uh, at University of Warwick, I was doing commercial radio while I was already at you know, college, oh. and then I went on to do that for a few years, started DJing and playing all over the world, and then uh, did a few remixes, you know, nothing major, but for like Island Records a Ministry of Sound, a few, few dance tracks. And then I became a TV host uh, for the BBC, did that for quite a few years, and then I started my journey into uh, stand-up comedy. To try and get back to my acting, really, and then fell in love with stand up. So that was it. I've stuck doing this, this old business. So, you uh, tour obviously
0: Europe, UK, and making your way into the United States?
3: Yeah, you know, I've been out here for about nine and a half years now. Uh, so, the comedy seller in New York City, they Oh, they, that's right. You're um, out of New York. Helped bring me out to the States. And then I spent the first four and a half years there. And then I've been in LA for the last five.
0: Yeah, so people uh, ask me all the time, like, what's the state of stand-up? And they go, oh, now everyone's got to watch out what they say. And I, <laughs> I say, well, it, it, some people do. And then it created a whole subgroup of people who are going further with what they say. Sure. Because comedians are always going to push back. It, sometimes it takes them a little while. But I think they've regrouped, regathered, and a certain group of stand-ups are now going further than they would have gone before. And I feel like a lot of those guys are out of New
3: York. Yeah, I guess so. I don't feel that in L.A. No, I think L.A., everyone here has still got that desperation and just wanted to be on, on screen, so... They would prefer to do material that probably fits within a box that, you know, the machine of Hollywood can kind of go, great, there you go, they're desperate enough and doing everything we want, let's churn them through that machine. Whereas in New York, I think people have a real love for the craft and the art of stand-up comedy. But I don't necessarily mean that, you know, relates to doing divisive material necessarily. But speaking very honestly, whatever that truth may be, whether you're left or right or, like me, have removed well, yourself from the political I, I think spectrum completely. I think you're
0: yeah. definitely on to something or we're on to something, which is the comics that come to L.A. don't come to L.A. to just be stand-ups. They sure. would like to get acting gigs. Or so writing
3: and directing. Writing and directing, yeah.
0: whatever, the pantheon. Mm-hmm. And the folks that stay in New York seem to go... I'm just a comic, a stand-up, and I'm going to focus on that. And so you're going to get a little more purity out of those people versus the ones that come to L.A. have to kind of lick their finger and put it up, see which way the wind is blowing. Yeah. Because they don't want to offend certain groups because that could mean a job that they're not going to get. In the acting world, directing, writing, and so forth.
3: Yeah, potentially. I think there's also an element which is, in, if you're in New York City, you can work five shows a night. Once you pass to all the top clubs there, you can work five shows a night and get paid well for every single one of them. You can actually make a career as a stand-up comic in New York. You come to LA, you just can't do that. It just doesn't exist. You don't get booked out here based on how funny you are. You get based, uh, booked based on how many tickets you'll sell or what kind of celebrity status or presence you might have in the media. So... Uh, yeah, that's probably why you end up with a lot more purist comics in New York City, because they can just do that for a living and actually come home every day and feed themselves. Whereas, What do you get paid in New York if you get passed and
0: you're doing it, oh, doing it every night? Oh, uh, it depends.
3: During the week, I mean, anywhere between like, you know, 25 to 150 a show. And then and if you're doing five of those a night, you know, that can stack up nicely. Sure. And in the weekends, it's uh, nearer the higher end, you know, the 70 to 150 kind of a show.
0: So um, here's something interesting. Speaking yeah. of stand-up, I was doing shows in Sacramento a couple of weeks ago. Right. This is just uh, happenstance and serendipity, but um, wait, you tell me what your take is on this. So I, I was working uh, my opener, uh, Young Comic, uh, Good Writer, And uh, after my set, he would go, "Oh, maybe tweak this, or here's a suggestion, or here's whatever." I'm always uh,
3: all ears. Did you did you ask for that feedback, or did you offer it? Okay, I did not. I did not
0: ask for it, (laughs) but he gave me uh, a a line or two, and I said, "Yeah, that's you know my feeling is is give me a line." If it's good, I'll use it. If it's not, and he gave me one or two, and I went... Cheeky little tag that could work. Yeah, that one didn't make sense. And then he gave me another one, and I said, all right, I'll try that. And I sort of closed a bit with it, and it got a huge laugh. And I was like, thank you. So then when he came off stage on Saturday Night Late Show, I said, well, now I got a tweak or two for you. And he does this bit. And he says, I don't know if the guy's white or he's black or whatever, but he uses the when you're name. When you open
3: it, you don't know what race
0: he is. No, no, sorry. <laughs> I don't see color.
3: <laughs> oh, wow, you're beyond that, I'm are beyond you? I'm okay. beyond color. Right,
0: and I don't even know what sex he is.
3: I'm not right. even sh- I don't know if he's a male. I Don't, know don't even a, know if he's a man. He you could be more you really don't even know if he's an opener. You're I, not even I don't, doing stand-up shows. You're I don't just know. at home high on mescaline just thinking you're I, I, I don't know if he was born. Okay, fair That's enough. That's how open-minded I am. He was am. created in a laboratory.
0: In his bit, he yeah. was talking about black or white or okay. something. And, and he used the word, the name of the person he was talking about in the bit, and I won't get bogged down on it, was John. Okay. And then when he got off stage, I said, you know – John doesn't sound like an either-or name. It sounds like a white guy you're talking about. Why don't you go with a name that could be white or black? it's biblical,
3: though, quite biblical, because in the black community, biblical names are are very prevalent. So I'm sure there's quite a few Johns out there. There's some Johns,
0: but I think they use Johns more uh, when they're pimps and they're referring to
3: guys that are are with their husbands. I mean, that is an incredibly regressive view, but yeah, let's go with that, whatever.
0: (laughs) So I said to him, I just said to him, why not use the name Marcus? Because I feel like Marcus could go black oftentimes, but could also go white. It's a, right. it's a white and a black name. And you're looking for a name that splits it down the middle. Right. And John, I feel, skews white. Sure. But Marcus, that'll
3: be ambiguous whether There's you're talking more, about a black. I, I know more black Marcuses than I know black Yeah, Jones, and that was sure. kind
0: of the point of his, of his bit. Right. So he said, yeah, okay, Marcus, that sounds good. And uh, that was Saturday night. And Sunday morning, we're sitting at the airport waiting for uh, the plane uh, in Sacramento, drinking a beer, and, and a woman came up, our waitress came up to us, and she said, um, uh, oh, Adam Carolla, wow, my second celebrity in a row. Uh, I had uh, you today, and I had uh, Marcus Allen in here the day before. And I said, we said, Marcus Allen, the NFL football player? And she said, no, Marcus Allen, the local newscaster, white guy. There you go. And I said, point proven.
3: We just used Marcus. You flipped the table immediately.
0: Yeah, I I just looked at him and went, we were just saying that Marcus (laughs) is an either or name. Now, to be fair to the story, this guy went by Mark S., Johnson or something, something like that. I can't, I can't remember what it was. But the point is, is that night at midnight, we're talking about Marcus being a right down the middle black or white name. Right. And the following morning, there's a black guy and a white guy named Marcus, and we're getting them confused. Dang, I, that's that that's, was point proven.
3: Art, uh, life imitating art. I think that's
0: yes, as, yeah. yes. And you also kind of wonder. You know, I'm an atheist. I'm not too cosmically oriented, but you do kind of wonder. No, I'm not anything, but you
3: do pause. Have you taken mushrooms? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Hero doses of psilocybin? Um, I'm talking five to seven grams.
0: Jeez, when I did it back in the day, I don't think we even knew what we were doing. Oh,
3: me and you need to go and take we some mushrooms were together. I, I, mixing I want to it up with peanut
0: butter and just getting And just slathering it on your dick and getting a dog to lick it off. I remember the first time I got really (laughs) high. That one. (laughs) The first time I got high on on mushrooms, um, I remember a few things. I I sat around and I was I was watching TV, and a couple things popped up because the thing about mushrooms, I mean, you know,
3: I I do I do know. Yeah, I've taken psilocybin, uh, but I I I used to take it to pie. And now, in the last year, I've taken it kind of three times on separate occasions, but heavy doses, like five to seven grams each time, as a healing tool, as a, as a transformative therapeutic tool. And uh, that's why I say, you're, if you're not spiritual yet, I want to take you to the woods and give you five grams of mushroom, and I think you will literally reconnect with the one energy of all things. You know.
0: Well, uh, can we agree on this? Um, you live, We live in a society, and we get... Is sort of indoctrinated into society. Which what
3: is? What's that? What's what's indoctrinated?
0: Well, I just mean there's certain things. It's like, you don't leave your house nude. You put on pants or shorts or something. And you go, why do we have to do this? You go, I don't know. That's just the way that's society. And, and in America, we drive on the right side of the street. And in England, we drive on the left left side side. of the street. And, and and you go, why? And you go, that's just the rule of law. That's, that's what it is, you know? And then you go, who are the Kardashians? And you go, well, they're women with soulless husks. With plump asses or soulless husks. And you go, why are they billionaires? And you go, I don't know because they're soulless husks, uh, right? It's but this is the, this is the society that we have created. Sure, and and I, obviously your head would explode if you just walked around asking questions and marveling at it all the time. Like if you were a time traveler from the 1700s and someone dropped you off in the middle of Hollywood, you'd just walk around with your mouth hung open. Oh, absolutely. You, you wouldn't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. was going on. Yeah. It'd be an electric car would go by. You'd freak out. You'd look up. You'd see a, a plane going overhead. E- everything would Absolutely. W- everything, everything would, would freak be mind-blowing, mind yeah. Right. And so
3: as a member of society – on a but sort if of, you were from 1970, you'd look at the modern-day site and go, "Where are the flying fucking cars?" Yes, where that'd be. Can passed. I swear on this one? Yes, I did. okay, apologies. Because. I should have checked that before.
0: Yes, everyone swears and then checks. Yeah, but you know, better to ask for forgiveness I thought than you permission. You beat me out. You right. cut me out. Um, so, what mushrooms do, in my estimation, is it gets you back to a sort of newborn sort of mind Hmm. where you then look around and you go, yeah, what is the deal? Like, why are we doing this? I So when I got really high for the first time on mushrooms, I was just watching TV, and it was a commercial for this company called Lee Press-On Nails, and they had these bright red plastic nails that they pressed on for the women. I'm a big fan. And I remember looking at it and going, the women of our species – need bloody red claws Mm. and somehow that's attractive Mm. to the male of the
3: species because we think about is the aesthetic of what those nails can do they can drag across your skin i think that's what it is it's a sensory
0: i don't know but it's a bizarre society that women literally had bloody red claws and somehow that attracted the males yeah and i remember thinking about that and then the next commercial that came on was for a monster truck rally, right? And it showed monster trucks smashing smaller cars, yeah, and the crowd cheering. There you go. And violence, I'm like, we like gladiatorial
3: contest. We yeah. like
0: giant vehicles smashing small, helpless vehicles, and we cheer. Yeah, we cheer for this. And I remember going, "What is this society? Yeah, we've crafted." And but now, when you, you're not high, made the, you
3: made the very you've made the perfect um, uh, linchpin point there that we've crafted. I disagree. We haven't crafted it. It's been crafted for us. We've been pushed into believing that these are the things that stimulate us. Well, but then who? who is us or who is they? Oh, I mean, you know, uh, corporate entities that own the entire world, the Rothschilds and the Vanguards and the Black Rocks of the world, the... uh, you know the uh, the puppetry of theater that we consider to be politics of most countries. You know, it's. I no, I'm I'm
0: generally with you. Yeah, and certainly.
3: Oh, I did my research. I saw that you're a kind of assign yourself a, a sort of a, a roughly libertarian kind of standpoint. That's what it's. Well,
0: like. after COVID, everything's on the table for right, me right, in right. terms of big corporate, big pharma, big government. You know, like it's all to yeah. me. Uh, COVID was. The big government, big pharma, and big corp were like pulling up their skirt and Absolutely. giving me a look like, oh, now I see what's what's going on in legacy. And news the and mask is off in e- so many different areas now. You yes. Know. I'm with you, but I also generally sus- subscribe to a, if people don't really want it, it's hard to foist it. On them,
3: like, I just don't they- think so anymore. I think we, we spend so much time glued to our cell phones, glued to computer screens, glued to our iPads that we are just being force fed a. It's it's very. When I was a child, I'm only thirty nine, but I'm still you know old enough to remember a time pre pages even right um, and cell phones and things like that. The the way that I live my life that was set out for me was very simplistic. Yes. And within the space of five to ten years, that completely changed. You yeah. know, so so it, I think it's pretty easy to condition humans. I mean, we're, we're oh,
0: yeah, you know, we're we're trainable. Uneduc- we're, we're very,
3: you
0: know, well, we're fear based. So sure. we go with the fear and then we coach them up and then we train them. And I, I, I get that. All I'm saying is, is I'm older than you. And I remember when they tried to launch new coke and everyone just went, Bill Cosby's talking about it back
3: when we liked him. Right. right and right. they tried to shove new back coke. When he wasn't slipping quaalus inside the cans.
0: Yeah, well, actually, back when he was doing it, we didn't. But we didn't know. <laughs> we just didn't know about it. We didn't was, see the fizz. He was probably in the the, the salad days of dropping quaaludes right, okay. in cans, but we had no idea because right, we were right, right, naive right. and. He may have put the shit in jello too and and jello pudding pops sure I mean, whatever
3: But the Quaalude and <laughs> pops I'm sure he put them everywhere
0: Everything he sold was a a, a, a mule for Quaaludes, yeah, if you think absolutely. about it you yeah. know he didn't yeah. sell cars
3: No, he mostly sold food stuff and stuff you ingest
0: Yeah yes. exactly So we they, but new coke didn't work right. we were like we rejected it as right. hard as they tried we went now nah, we reject new right, coke Right right So I'm saying Madison Avenue and big corporations and stuff, they do make a push every once in a while, but if we don't want it, we we still will reject it. So and maybe that was thirty years ago so when we had just free the, like, will.
3: Human society as a whole wants this kind of division. We want this. We want to hate our neighbors for all the small discrepancies, of difference in our aesthetics, our race, our gender, our sexuality, whatever the fuck. You know, you've got to hate everyone for all these different reasons.
0: I, I no, I I think my general approach is we need to have a certain there's part of our reptilian brain needs to
3: whoa 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 are you revealing that you are in fact a reptile is this i have mean? a reptilian brain part it's, it's of it's been confirmed ladies part gentlemen. of this he's part of the illuminati
0: and i and part of us needs to be scared and needs to feel like we're being persecuted and needs to f- fight or flight you know th- that's a strong thing sure And we essentially got rid of all the real dangers and obstacles. You know, no more saber-toothed tigers and and things of that nature. So now we sit around and we get equally as – animated about nothing or agitated and agitated about. about about nothing burgers sure, sure. Y- you know what i mean sure and that's the new world order we've gotten everyone out of the fields off the farms into air conditioning and we still have this fight or flight thing and so we become super animated about israel or hamas or you know we get very Understood. or or uh, you know a race race related something involving a policeman or whatever we get super animated and I just go. What do you care so much about this? Like, who cares? You know, the, well, it depends the- on
3: the subjective standpoint. I mean, like, some of those things you mentioned. Of course, if you are like directly related to, I can see how those things would mean a lot to you. Well, but I like- agree with you that we no longer have a need to just survive on a daily basis. So now we're looking for areas to excuse our behaviors to go. Well, this is why I have to fight against all these well, things because I.
0: You remember the uh, coach? I keep calling him the coach, but he was sort of the. Manager, or the whatever, the architect for the... Uh, women's soccer team from Spain and he kissed the woman oh, on the yeah. lips and yeah. everyone
3: was animated. You know what I mean? It yeah. had an opinion. And I kept saying... You should have seen what happened in the uh, changing room afterwards. That was <laughs> even worse.
0: I said, who cares? Who cares? And it was nothing. They were celebrating. Who cares? There's right. nothing to do with you. They won the world championship. Let them celebrate. These guys celebrate the way they celebrate. Now, I don't know no, what, no what her one was response injured. to
3: it was. What was her response? Was she upset about it? Did she find it unpleasant and uncomfortable? She was not upset about it
0: for a period of time until the mob got to her and told her she had to be upset right. about it. And this is my point. Who is this mob? Why does she need to be upset? Sure. It lasted, the whole incident. I've been to Spain, a lot of kissing. Was one second long. Yeah. It was a one second kiss. Sure. In a celebration. So
3: you're saying if I took one second and kissed you gently on the tip of your penis, you would have no issue with it because it would be... Just a moment in time. It's, it's just a two moment, men sharing. moment in time. We took five grams of mushrooms. We <laughs> yeah. were in the woods. Oh, no. Now <laughs> I was going to go to the woods with you. Now I'm getting where the woods thing is going. I'm not even homosexual. I'm just a European. It's
0: different. Well, than you than were like. a male prostitute for a while, were I'm, you
3: not? No, I did a documentary, an immersive documentary about male prostitution where I had one client uh-huh. you know, who turned out to be a, a stripper who wanted the role reversal. She was a fan of my other TV shows. Oh, it was and a female. Yeah. Yes, it was a female. Well, look
0: here is honestly the problem with the prostitute. I didn't go.
3: I didn't go full send with that. I really should have. You know, this is judgment
0: free uh, zone here. Yeah, you you do what you want. You kiss all the dick tips you want. (laughs) Just the tip, though, Adam. (laughs) Never the the shaft.
3: Disgusting.
0: So. No what I'm saying is is when you see when someone says there's a female prostitute right. you go I get it she's with men sure when they say a male prostitute you go you
3: assume probably with men or, and or women yeah
0: eighty percent men with a twenty percent woman. It's mostly, thing in my head. it's mostly
3: male to male for that's what we've discovered in the documentary. Yeah.
0: So when you went male prostitute, you ended up with a woman. I did, yeah. That's yeah, good. Yeah,
3: yeah. I didn't I didn't I mean I, I, I explore my sexuality. I've I've always been heterosexual, but you know, I had the the at least honesty to go, could I be into dudes? You know, and it's just not for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Not for me. What either. is it that turns you off about men? What is it that makes you go, I just don't want to kiss him? Well, let's let's break this down. You've seen Matt Reif. Tell me you haven't wanted to just kiss those <laughs> gentle little chin dimples of his. I just want to open for you, bro. Whatever I have to do. <laughs> um, well, not anymore. He's being cancelled as well, isn't he? So
0: I guess. I don't know. It, but here's the good news. If everyone's being cancelled, then no one's being cancelled. And if everyone's a racist, then no one's a racist. We've all
3: been cancelled, haven't we? Now? I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, Here's what I say. Here's my argument for homosexuality. Oh, okay. And uh, it's very unpopular. And this
3: is the argument for homosexuality?
0: Well, it's the argument for male wiring. Okay. And I've discussed this for over 25 years because I used to do a show called Love Line and Mm -hmm. we'd get into such subjects. I said this very simply. Um, If you show heterosexual males graphic imagery of gay porn, mm. they put their hand up in front of their face.
3: I don't. I put it immediately to my penis.
0: You go down to the Straight penis. Straight to the penis.
3: <laughs> you don't...
0: Hold on. Is your cock in front of your face?
3: <laughs> it, it, it's that big, yeah. <laughs> or I'm just laying on my back with it.
0: <laughs> Guys reflectively... If if I invited 10 guys over to watch the big game yeah. and was scrolling around the TV and somehow just popped on oh, no, graphic well, gay porn... The last
3: YouTube video I was watching just came on. Yes, oh, no, that's right. We're uh, into my
0: browser. There would be an audible groan from all ten guys, and then all ten guys who love pornography, sure, who probably watch pornography earlier that day, absolutely, would put their hand in front of their face and
3: go, "Oh, come on, change it, change it, change and that's it." Because those men are not comfortable in their true sexuality. I think it's a hard wiring. Really, I think I just I, think they're just pussies. Because here is the reality: like you can be straight. And if I see two, if I walked into a room and two dudes were fucking, I wouldn't be like, I'd just be like, oh, sorry, lad. Sorry, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, dad. Sorry, (laughs) uncle. No, I'd just be like, you know, this is, this is just, all right, crack on, boys. I've been at orgies where, um, you know, I've been having sexual relations with women and other men are there, but I'm not fucking the dudes or kissing the dudes or touching the dudes. But like seeing a, a dude fuck a chick at the other end or fuck another dude in the room I don't care like it's not it's not affecting me because I know what I am comfortable well, with. Well then you're either evolved or bi. I'm evolved. yeah I guess okay, sexually or bi. because I questioned it. No I'm not bi because to be bisexual you have to be sexually stimulated by it I'm not stimulated by uh-huh. it but I don't have to go ah! like it's gonna in some way affect my sexuality. Well, Does that make sense? Uh,
0: yeah but let me, let me break it down a little further okay. because I'm trying to get away from this sort of Socialization part and more into the hardwiring part. Okay. Yeah. Um, when somebody says to me, "Oh, there was this MMA fight and this guy fractured his tibia," you know, I go, "I don't want to see it." Right. I, I just don't want. Or if a guy, oh, he got punched and it knocked his tooth out, you know, I go, "I, you don't I like don't, seeing I, violence. I just That's don't what. want to see certain graphic things. Like my hand would go up if somebody's getting a compound fracture okay. of their femur, and the same hand
3: goes up with gay sex. Because you're seeing a compound fracture of a penis. Yes. Okay. Yes. I understood.
0: I am, it is not because I'm anti-homosexual. It's not because, and it's not because I'm against the MMA. Sure. It's just, I, MMA, I don't want to see it. That okay, And sure. most guys, with the exception of you, Yeah. who are super evolved, or possibly, <laughs> possibly by
3: Hey man, I'll take that fan base, if you're watching. Sure.
0: Um, You don't you're not wired that way. But every other male I know will put the hand up. And it's not because they don't condone it. It's not because they're gay bashers. It's not because they Mm -hmm. have anything against it. I know. Well, you know, I'm in L.A. I've done improv troops. You can't not have gay friends. You can't work in L.A in media, TV, and theater and, and stuff, and not have a lot of gay people, Yeah, I work yeah.
3: construction. I didn't have any gay okay. friends. But as soon as I got... Or you didn't know you did. That's a good point. They're probably just too regressive. Or maybe they were too scared to actually acknowledge their own sexuality, some of those You men. know, I
0: did see Mike... The drywaller checking me out a
3: few there you times. Go. You look good in those, you know, overalls. Yeah. Well, look, the gay theme
0: is. I, I was a village person. Had the yeah. tool bag cinched up. The sleeves got off the shirt. You, you know, were the only in village the person
3: apart from the police officer with a full time job. I think. That's, yeah, yeah. See the Indian, not a that's, job. That's cultural. That's native. You know.
0: Uh, I think one guy. Was like a lineman for the county. I think one guy worked for like the phone company or right, something. Right, right,
3: right. Uh, and he drove the main line. Maybe,
0: maybe I'm confusing the construction worker. Yeah, there, there was a the See, biker the guy you know didn't this have a many job,
3: members of what the dress code was for the uh, for the uh, the group. It suggests to me that suggests you might I'm have. Bi? Well, you might. Maybe you're a little buy as well. There well, we go. it's oh, here we go. funny.
0: The only guy with the the only straight guy in the village people was was the cop.
3: Oh, really? The, the black lead, gentleman in the back?
0: The lead guy, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the other guy was a cowboy, the Indian. The one guy just dressed like a biker. The one, or I like leather. how
3: the one at the bottom left with the little um, electrical thing on his helmet, he looks yes. like uh, Ian Fidance, the comedian Ian Fidance. It's spot on. That's where he stole his look from, <laughs> doesn't he? That's where he stole it from. Unbelievable. We got uh, Ben Stiller over on the right-hand side in the leather cap.
4: Yeah. <laughs> he does look like <laughs> Ben Stiller. Got Jamie Stiller. Fox
3: top right there. Oh, Yeah. And uh, top left, that's me, I think, that the moustache. That's that could basically me. I'm the, the cowboy, yeah.
0: All right. So now that we've assigned a comedian to all of the village people, yeah. um, so uh, back to uh, homosexuality. Yes, you think oh, it's Oh, hard I want to get back hard-wiring. to the orgy. Yeah, it's, it's hardwiring because even the most – you know what? I talked to Dr. Drew about this once. Okay. And he took a functional MRI. And we, what does that mean? What's a functional? I right? don't know. They study your brain. Okay. And then they show you a picture of a kitten, and they see something lights up, and so then they they see sh-
3: where the synapse is fired. Yeah, on what they show you a you
0: picture have. of pumpkin pie and another thing, and then they show you a graphic gay porn, and your brain starts going, out oh, no. Okay. So there, there's a. It's, it's not. There's some science to it, but sure. let's get back to the orgy.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to uh, be quite sexually promiscuous, I think. And How many I, orgies did you attend? Uh, I used to go to Romania every year. So, actually, the ones that I used to have were in Romania. My mum's Romanian. So, I would go out there to do events for some friends and hosting this big tech conference. And uh, I had some friends there who were swingers. So, uh-huh. they would always invite a group of girls. And, you know, there might occasionally be like one or two dudes who were with one of the girls or just friends. And uh, by the end of the night, normally about five, six, seven people would be left, uh-huh. you No, know, a few drinks, chilling out, whatever. And then clothing would start coming off. People would start fucking each other. It was great. Um, so Sexual liberation in a country where they had a dictatorship, you know. So I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of that. When you go to a country where they've escaped the clutches of uh, quite yeah. a serious dictatorship, sexual freedom and liber- liberation becomes a big part of the culture. Or acting out, depending on how you describe it. But- sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then, what are the women like at these orgies?
3: Like what? I mean, the ones I went to, incredibly. Good. But this is also Eastern European women, you know, who all have great jobs, are all very bright and intelligent, very well educated. So uh-huh. the, the quality of the women that I was spending time with were incredible people. I was you know? thinking more in the looks department. No, no, very, very beautiful and very bright and very interesting and charming. And then yeah. what's
0: what's etiquette? What's orgy etiquette? Like you see one. And you're more attracted to her, right? but now she's blowing some other dude over here. So you just patiently
3: wait your turn, Adam. You just wait? (laughs) Is that how it works? Yeah, you have to be British and have the accent and a little bit (laughs) of charm and swagger about you. And then after a period of time, she might come and have a chat with you, and then you might go off to another bedroom, or you might join in and go, oh, do you mind if I... Come and come and get involved. Um, I think women who might be at an orgy just like men who are at an orgy probably are there for the experience of being with multiple bodies. Do you know what I mean? So uh-huh. so I don't think uh, you don't you don't walk up and just pull your dick out and throw it in someone. That's that's, you know, obviously not the done thing in any sort of walk of life. But you mm-hmm. you know, you have a conversation and see if they're into it.
0: So and then at the orgy. Mm what happens after your climax do you just sort of hand out towels do you hang out and you clean up
3: breathe, you have a little wash you know you no, you have a little drink and you chill and then you wait until you get aroused again and then you have some more sex oh you can go two times huh oh i mean at those sessions it would be more than that these days i'm not going to pretend like i'm some prolific lover having sex five times a night but at the you know group sex situation in your prime absolutely yeah yeah three times Oh, more than that, yeah. But, I mean, you, it's over the course of a whole evening. You might be there for, like, you know, 12 hours hanging out, so. Wow. And you're not always fucking. Sometimes you just you put some music on. You're all just chatting for a while. You know, you have beautiful women smoking cigarettes, especially in Romania. They all smoke. That's the only uh-huh. thing I hate about it. And then, um, you know, you have a drink. You have a chat. Maybe you have a joint on the balcony. Hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And then, hey, you want to go to a bit? Oh, cool, yeah. You know, <laughs>
0: Could you could you work any mushrooms into the orgy?
3: I wouldn't. I, I, I would never do – so I gave up drinking four and a half years ago because I'm an alcoholic, so I gave up booze. I gave up all the class A's around the same time, you know, Coke and Ketman and all that stuff. And then uh, the only vice I had was marijuana, but I've given that up now as well because I just don't think we take it in the right way. It doesn't bring health to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so for me, I don't want to use any kind of substance to – uh, party with or to enhance a party. If I'm going to take something for instance psilocybin or ketamine, they actually do therapeutic ke- ketamine treatments which I'm going to do with some some veterans I just met actually. Uh-huh. Um, it, it can be very healing. So that's the only way that I would do drugs ever again is is, is in that kind of healing therapeutic manner. And uh,
0: the orgy. Does yeah. anybody Has anyone ever sort of lose their nerve and kind of bow out? Like sure, the, yeah, the yeah, ladies yeah. kind of
3: at the Pack beginning of the night, it would just be a social hang, you know, with the uh-huh. understanding that later on in the night this might get a bit sexual, uh-huh. and people would just go. Or, you know, there was occasions where I was sitting talking to a, a couple of girls at the table, and my friend and his partner and a couple of other people were having sex on the couch and, uh-huh. you know, doing their thing. And one of the girls said, "I, you know, I'm just, I don't, this is not really for me. And I was like, all right, I understood. And she was like, all right, I'm going to go home. So she just, you know,
0: do you ever try Second to cherry pick, like you find a hottie during the early evening and you go, you know what, we should blow this taco stand and go it's back to not- my hotel? See,
3: th- this is the thing. I think the most healthy sort of group sex situations are the ones where you're not you- you're not worried about the fucking. The fucking is inevitability. Uh-huh. So what you really do is you spend time getting to know the people who are there and you have conversations. Uh-huh. And uh, that's not based just on looks. I mean, if I'm stimulated by someone, but they're not what I would aesthetically think is my top choice, mm-hmm. if I've talked to them and they're, they're inspiring, they're interesting, they're fun, they're flirty, and I'm enjoying my, their company, then I can be very sexually stimulated by them. Wow. you have yeah. really evolved. Yeah, but I'm, not, I'm not also not having sex with people I find unattractive. Yeah. You know, I'm not pretending like I can, I can generate such a, a personal relationship with someone that I can overlook the fact that I'm not sexually stimulated by them. That doesn't work.
0: You know. Yeah, but... You're able to factor in the emotional or artistic. Look, I walked in here today, Adam, and
3: I saw you and I was like, he's a solid seven, right? Mm -hmm. But now we've been talking for a little while. You're an eight and a half in my books. And by the end of this podcast, who knows? We could be at a ten. Yeah. We could be on this table. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll be at a nine,
0: be at a six, and we'll do the math. There we go. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We got some news and some liked tweets, and we'll do all that. The very interesting Jeff Leach right after this. Let me tell you about Angie homeowners. You know, it's a lot of work to own a home, whether it's uh, everyday maintenance, repairs, or dream projects. It can be hard to even know where to start. All you need is Angie. Your home for everything home. Find a skilled local pro who will deliver quality and experience. Over 20 years of home service experience. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie handles the rest. Look, you're busy. You don't have time to do all this stuff. Let Angie handle it. Take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit online. Visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. A-N-G-I dot com. That's Angie. Let
3: them do all
0: the heavy lifting.
3: My bladder, my penis situation is like a scat jazz singer. (laughs) I get up in that urinal, I'm just like, I don't know when that shit's gonna end. I don't know when it's gonna come out again. I have to shake it for fucking 20 minutes afterwards. Just get every look. I have to milk it like a. Like, I'm trying to get venom out of a snake. Just go Two half. And I got foreskin, so I have to get that out of the folds, you know what I mean? Just. (laughs) Finally, I popped that bad boy away. I go up and wash my hands, check the hair, get to that door of the restroom. See you later. Skitty (laughs) poopoo. Jeff
2: Leach is on the Adam Carolla show.
0: All right. Back with uh, the fascinating and worldly Jeff Leach website. JeffreyLeach.com is where you can go find out all the dates. I'm going to put that my right? next
3: post of fascinating and worldly.
0: <laughs> sorry, I'm fighting a cold, but yes. Yeah. I won't put the bit in about you, uh, hooking up phlegm while you said it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, and the stand-up special Jeff Leach, a comedy spectacular available now on YouTube. Um, Chris is remote. He's uh, hey guys. not feeling well today, but he's got some uh, news stories and some tweets, and uh, we can get into that with Jeff, and uh, Jeff, react however you like. Hi, Chris. How are you?
5: Hey, Jeff. Good. Uh, so I uh, I just want to talk about this tweet that you tweeted um, earlier, Adam, about the – because you, you presented your paintball solution to draw, like the flash mob that Yes. And – um, and uh, Jeff, to just refresh you, Adam says that if if like the security guards or if people just had paintball guns, and like so all the all the unruly people on airplanes fighting, the people at drive-through windows abusing the the workers, and the sure. people who are stealing from CVS
3: and Home Depot, and you think and just help them with paintballs? Yeah. Why don't you go to the next level and get the little bags? Those little bags that the police here. Fum, 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 fum. That's less we, cleanup, right? We
0: can put pepper in the in the paintballs if if we want. You know, you,
3: you just, just want to make a mess, Adam. I'm going to start with paintballs, okay? All and right.
0: and they're already making a mess because they're tearing everything off the the shelves, and knocking over racks and everything else. I'm just saying. So a little bit of silk. You paint get is not, not going to make the sound bad. of the paintball is enough to make everyone scatter. Like sure. we've had all of these. All right, let's let's look at it this way. Right. Um, we in in America, we've had all these crazy mob school beatings. Somebody, two people died. Two teenage boys died. One was beaten to death recently. Another one stabbed to death. And. All the teachers can do when these mobs of 16- and 17-year-old boys are yeah. just in a full feeding frenzy and beating on someone is to sort of approach from the outside and yell, stop bring it. it. Up, bring it up, yeah. they're, they're in frenzy mode, sure. you know what I mean? And they're punching and kicking someone on the ground. If those teachers had a paintball gun, just pop, 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 hit three guys in the back. As soon as the mob heard the sound of the paint gun, they would scatter. I feel you. And all it would do is ruin a couple of sweatshirts and leave a welt or two on the ass of an unruly 16-year-old.
3: Well, I definitely think it's better than having a a cop in the school either pulling out a gun or beating up a child. Yeah.
0: Well, the cop now has... The cops are in the same position. Either you pull out a gun and fire it, which yeah. you don't want to do, or you yell at the crowd, break it up, but they don't listen sure. to the cops sure. anymore. The paint gun would work. That's all So I'll instead
3: say. of giving teachers guns, you just want to give them paintball guns? I'll give them paintball guns. Okay, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, now what if the kids get really good at that? you could actually have a double benefit, because effectively it could be like an athletics training for the children as well. Yeah. To stimulate a little bit more health and... Yeah, they'd start oh, running. They'd yeah. burn some calories. <laughs> they burn a few calories. Yeah, this is a up.
0: video of some guys uh, stealing someone's catalytic converter, which right. is what we do out here because we've descended into hell. And a guy comes running out with a paintball gun. And they're under the car trying to get at the catalytic converter.
5: i am got to see this. Yeah, huge problem in California. This is in Turlock.
0: I'm swearing, they just get up and run because there's nothing else to do. When someone's got a paintball gun, you got to run.
3: It also That's does, it. It. it does sound like those first few shots does sound like a real firearm, yeah. doesn't it? As well,
0: uh huh. It would work. It would work at the Home Depot. It would work at the school. It would work at the Macy's. It would work
3: in your neighborhood. See, if I was that guy, I would have waited and gone around the other side of the car and then shot at them because there's nothing like taking a paintball to the asshole. Yes. really, really push you in the right direction in life, you know?
0: Yes. The uh, blue dye and the brown eye, as, <laughs> as we say in the paintball <laughs> that's business. <what> <laughs> that's what, well, that's what we say. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Paintball. Everyone thinks I'm nuts. It would work. If the big crowds were like gathering and ripping off everything and pop, 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 they just disperse. Look, that's if, all. If we
3: can't get to the systemic root of why that problem is happening, then uh, yeah, I think it's the best non-lethal option available.
0: Well, the systemic root is we're letting it happen. It's not that people are poor because people have always been poor. Right. It turns out that it's a small group of people that are much more organized than we think. Right. I think there was some story out of New York where it was like $4.4 billion worth of retail done by like 200 people. Right. Like right, it's right, the right. same people. They, are they're you in the gaming, smash and grabs in Yeah, they figured the, 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 the system yeah. out. It's not just sort of random. Sure. You know, random theft it's, the group has gone oh this will work we've, we've figured this out I get that well,
3: do it, it. well it's criminality but it's also <laughs> a criminality to like generate some revenue isn't it because people are just going I got nothing so I'm just going to go and take it from these big corporations that don't really give a shit about anyone anyway yeah but who so cares if they give a shit about anybody yeah well oh man it's I mean, not their job I'm, to maybe, I'm a a little, maybe I'm a little you're right um, I might be a little too... Maybe I'm a little socialist in my outlook because coming from the UK, you know, so there is sure. a part of me that hates the... The I don't think a small number of people should be as wealthy as they are while everyone else is kind of, you know...
0: Yeah, but um, here's the problem. It's it's not really avoidable given the system. Right. Um. That's number one. Number two... I don't really look at it as a, as a finite amount of money. It's, there can be ultra-rich. There are always going to be ultra-rich. And then you can go out and, and get money, too. It's not, it's not because they have hoarded all the money, I guess is what, what I'm saying. And there's a certain amount of it that's baked into the system. Mm. But it's like McDonald's. You, know, you go, McDonald's, they, they, don't, they don't pay their workers a living wage. You know, right, right, and then right. you go, All right, but you don't have to work at McDonald's. I sure. I worked at McDonalds for a summer when I was sixteen and I was like,
3: This fucking place sucks. But if there's not any other jobs out there, then you've got to go and work at McDonalds. You've got to take whatever's available to you, surely. Yeah, but there are other jobs
0: available. There, when I did it, there weren't other jobs available. I just available. want these
3: fuckers to pay their taxes, Adam. That's the only thing I really want. I don't care. Yeah, be a big corporation. Be as wealthy as you like. That's absolutely fine. But just pay the correct amount of tax so that when I pay my tax every year on what I earn and that like, hustle for, it actually gets spent on the things that it should be spent on, like, you know, some education, maybe well, even some fucking health care. That would be nice, you know, things like that. Well, so. first, I, I, the government's going to waste whatever you
0: give them. That's number one. Sure. I don't, I don't yeah. trust. Trust them to go well. If they only had a little more money, then we could have a healthcare system. Mm-hmm. They're going to squander it, so they're they're partners. But I'd rather in this, they were spending in
3: McDonald's money than spending yeah. my money and your money well, and his money and his money. But McDonald's
0: know? corporations are going to do whatever you let them do in terms of tax code. Absolutely. And so loopholes. (laughs) And we look at them as being, you know, immoral for doing it or something, but you'd be a fool not to, and then they have their shareholders to Mm -hmm. answer Mm -hmm. to. So, Whatever
3: it is you and we let... we still pull up to the drive through Well, right. I don't. You probably don't. But we pull up... A lot of people pull up to those drive-thrus and, uh, you know, buy that.
0: Whatever and. you legally let them do, mm. they will exploit it to the full extent. Absolutely. And every company is going to do that, no matter what it is they say, whatever they preach. If there's a loophole, they will find it. And so if you'd like to shut the loopholes or go with a flat tax or do something, I'm all, I'm all for it. Sure. But right now... The corporations are just doing what we like, them. What they
3: can get away with. What exactly. they can get away yeah, with. Yeah. Right. All
0: right. What else you got there, Chris? Well,
5: speaking of non-lethal guns, there's a story out today. Um, they're in Compton. A bunch of teachers and the principal all called out sick, along with me. Um, but <laughs> the reason they're calling out sick is because there's a boy at their school who's just so troublesome. I guess he pointed a BB gun at another kid's head. They've had all these different problems with him. So the kid comes back with his mom, and the mom and the principal get into an argument, and the principal just goes, I'm done. I'm over it. Principal calls out sick. All the teachers call out sick just because of this one kid.
0: Yeah.
3: Wow. Well, we're kind they, of... They want him out. Oh, that's incompetent They should send that kid yeah. out to the Middle East. Get him to sign up for Hamas. Yes, take your BB gun. That's how you end <laughs> terrorist cells, tunnel. you know what I mean? Get him to go out to the, uh, you know, the Israeli government as well. He can root them all out. Perfect.
0: We're getting to the point where the system is kind of breaking down, yeah. especially in Compton and in our in our schools. And at some point, the parents are going to have to start doing some parenting. There's, there's basically two positions. When I was a kid, if you got into trouble at school, your parents would be pissed at you.
3: When you were a kid, how many kids were in your class?
0: Uh Five. Well, we did look at my records once, Chris, right? when not there like 571 in my graduating class? That was my. I
5: could
3: I find that.
0: Th- out. It was it. 570, because I know I was about 500 right. out of 570. Yeah. I think it was like 571. And
3: you, went, you went actually near here, North Hollywood, right? You went to yeah. high school, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I did. So uh, there yeah, was like 500 and 600 in every class or whatever. So there was like two thousand kids right, right, right. at my school. It was like right. a pretty pretty big school.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's amazing we sucked at sports so badly. With <laughs> two thousand kids to choose from. But um yeah, I went to a pretty big school. But in the past, if you got in trouble at school, then you got in trouble at home. Sure. So there was a there's been a change. The sure. change is the parents used to get pissed at the kid and want to know what went on, even on a sort of macro level, like if if you got Hit by another friend's parent, or mm. disciplined by another, and sent home or something. Your parents would be pissed at you. What did you do to piss off Mister Jenkins? Well, well, I sure. ate some of his Nilla wafers. Well, what were you doing in his cupboard without asking him? Now the parents go to the school and yell at the principal, right? Yeah. And then the parents go to Mister Jenkins' house and yell at him for disciplining their kids. Yeah, that's With the a change. Gun. Oh, that would work. Yes, this is the problem. We're at now.
3: I mean, God, yeah, we're, you're trying, I, I feel a little bit like we're trying to condense and oversimplify such a big, expensive problem. That's what <laughs> I do. Problem. I oversimplify. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, man. I feel like, um, yes, I do think parents need to parent more. Yes. I agree with that across the board, you know. Yes. Um, Be more involved in their kids' lives. That's why you've got kids, you know, um, online playing video games and, you know, uh, getting groomed by pedophiles because their parents don't care to listen and take an interest in what their kids are interested in and learn about what it is and, and actually keep a bit of a check on it. But again, we have a generation of very young parents that's been happening now for uh, the last sort of 20 years, um, people who don't really necessarily think they have any option for their own personal lives, so they're like, "Ah, oh, create a kid. That's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna do something in this world." Um, and a lot of those people probably shouldn't be parents in the first place. I know my parents probably shouldn't have been parents. I don't think you don't was. think so. No. Why? Oh, I, I don't think they should have been together. I don't think they were right for each other, and they and you know caused a lot of um, a lot of frustrations for themselves, and and also for us as you know there was a knock on effect, but. I was educated, and if I got bad grades, I was told off. And if I was uh, out of check, I got a little clip around the ear. You know, that was another thing that used to happen. Different age, though. It's a different age, you know? But you don't think your parents should have been parents? Oh, they should have been, but they should have married different people and had kids with someone that were, they were happy with rather than together. Yeah. But I'm glad they did, because if they hadn't fucked, then I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Getting you to a nine and a half. <laughs> Working my way up. There you go. <laughs> All right.
0: Now, don't get me past the 10, because I'm not going to believe I mean, you. you. go past
3: the 10, we end the podcast, we just start having sex. That's how it goes. <laughs>
0: In the woods, though. In the Let's woods, Let's drop some man. In the, and woods. Hit yeah, the woods. Yeah, we're going to shoot
3: some guns. We can have fun. It'll be great. All right, just a tip. What just else tip. you got, Chris? All right, so I saw you like this
5: tweet, Adam, and this is uh, Oakland City Council. So on Monday, they passed a carefully crafted... Resolution calling for a ceasefire. Oh, yeah. Israel Hamas war after hours of hearing impassioned rhetoric about the deaths of thousands of civilians in Gaza. So, uh, a city council member tried to uh, insert language condemning Hamas, and uh, we have a video about a minute long of some of the reaction from the city council.
0: So, somebody tried to condemn Hamas in this legislation, and the uh, ladies got upset. Okay.
5: Yeah.
1: There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. Calling
6: Hamas a terrorist organization Well, I don't know know if that's true. ...and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding
1: our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance.
5: As an Arab asking with this context to condemn Hamas is very anti-Arab racist.
0: The okay.
1: notion that this is, fine a up. Of yeah, is a
0: massacre of Jews is a narrative. Many of
3: killed on October you, 7, including children, were killed by the IDF. An amendment condemning Hamas is bald propaganda meant to... A- Thank you, your time is up.
4: To hear them complain about Hamas violence is like listening to a wife-beater complain when his wife finally stands up and fights back.
2: Question. Did anyone else notice that those who oppose this resolution are old white supremacists? There's been a lot
5: of
3: atrocity right, propaganda raging. All
0: right, people gone insane. It's weird. We're living
3: in a weird time. It must have been a sale on those calves. Everyone had one. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, it's such a it's such a hot topic. It's very difficult to have any opinion on this without oh, I got being opinion. destroyed by anyone. But man, I'm just for people. I just want to see some humanity. Yeah. So Hamas are absolutely a terrorist organization, but the people of Palestine are also being slaughtered in yeah. thousands. They and that's, support that's right. Hamas. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of... Uh, but they support Hamas. Not all of them do. No, in the not same all way. of in the them. Too many. That, in the same way that a, a large portion of Israeli people do not support the Israeli government. You know, they don't it's support... It's true, but it's the it's Israeli, Israeli so.
0: government aren't terrorists. <laughs> I go down to a seven again.
3: I'm, 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 no, no, I'm not disagreeing with you, but at the same point, I'm not like, I just don't think, I think, God, Jesus Christ, you're trying to get me cancelled again, Adam. Uh,
0: listen, is, being cancelled <laughs> for not supporting terrorists is fine.
3: I don't support terrorists, and I also don't support the, uh, the bombing of civilians. That's yeah, what I don't but, support. But either, they put the or.
0: civilians underneath the terrorists. So what are you going to do?
3: Do you think all those people are, are, are um, in support of Hamas? You think all those, those no. 4,000 kids are in support of no, Hamas? No, not all. A a, a,
0: a, a, a number that is too high that that enables them to exist.
3: And I guess the the, uh, situational reason for that is when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, you take any option you got out, even if it is an extremist, lunatic way out, in the same way that I think there's extremist beliefs within Israel. There's extremist police within Palestine, and you know, yeah, well, they they don't, they don't to have to not flourish, they don't have to not
0: flourish, they can flourish. What, Palestinian choosing, people, yes, they're not flourishing because of Hamas and because of Jew hatred, right? I mean, listen, you know, it, it's an I don't know if it's popular, I don't know if it's unpopular, but that's that's this, the this truth. This is a they
3: subject, want ma- Jews this is subject matter that I Personally, I do feel really um, responsible to not oversimplify because, first of all, I'm not a politician. I haven't done uh, years of research looking into the history of these two countries, these two places, these two groups of people. I don't know enough about the, poli- uh, the policies of either of the two governments, governance of those places. So for me to comment on it, I'm a fucking comedian. I make dick jokes and I talk about how I'm going to have sex with you at the end of the podcast. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And well, that's why, no, that's I, why, that's why Israel, about I'll so oversimplify it. Israel would like to live in peace. Their neighbors do not. I think Israelis would like to live in peace. I don't. Yes. I don't think the Israeli government has any desire to live in peace.
0: Well, there's that. There's that argument. I think but there's they, a
3: lot of Palestinians who would like to live in peace, and I do. Yes. I do not think Hamas wants to live in peace. No, they don't Otherwise, want to live they in would, peace. Uh, we would, and, uh, take and hostages on October. 7, there's a lot you know,
0: of so. Palestinians who want to live in peace, but not enough to get rid of Hamas.
3: Oh, I, I don't know. I disagree. I think mo- I think most of the people in both those countries probably would rather be living in peace. I, I don't think any of them would rather be worrying about. There's tons brothers, of footage sisters, of civilians
0: mother, like cheering on Hamas when they're coming back. From yeah, but there's so much
3: misinformation on both sides at this point. I mean, it's difficult to even pick out what is real, what is not, what is. Well, Hamas is, lies. You know, Hamas lies. That's oh, all yeah. they do. But they both lie. Yeah, both. Yeah, both, but both no. Groups Israel
0: lie. does not nearly do what Hamas does. It's like, look, here's what they say. Here's, here's how it works. Hmm. They go, we just had a prisoner exchange, right? Hmm. And they go, women and children on both sides were exchanged, sure. right? Sure. Okay, that's a correct statement, but here's the part they're missing.
3: Hmm.
0: Hamas has children. Four year olds, mm-hmm. sure, two year olds, sure, sure, newborns, sure. six year olds, women, the Israeli civilians, government Israelis, women has, who have
3: been convicted who, who've of crimes. Who tried to blow up again. car bombs, Understood.
0: and 17 year old boys who tried to stab people yeah. in a pizza parlor. That's sure. not women and children being exchanged. That's terrorists 100%. and women and children being 100%. exchanged. Yeah, That's agree how with that. the news rolls. All right. I've done work well, my yeah. way, way down well, to a six.
3: You getting, uh, You're not down to a six. And okay. so I, 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 I don't think we're like necessarily in a difference of understanding on this thing. I just think. You know, this is why I'm sick and tired of fucking celebrities getting involved in this. Because if you really care about that much, get on a fucking plane and go out and fight for the side you think you really, really support. Pick up a paintball gun and go (laughs) out there
0: and take care of
3: business. Yeah, Yeah. go shoot a few paintballs at either Hamas or the IDF. Do what you need to do. But honestly, whinging about it on on the internet or whinging about it on podcasts, none of us are educated enough to understand it. And none of us are living it. Not one of us is living it. What I want to see is innocent people stop being murdered on both sides. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I agree. But that's, Hamas that's can't hide present. behind innocent people. That's the problem. All right, what's next? Well, well,
5: um, b- before we, we leave this topic, I just want to, if we're talking about celebrities, uh, Miranda, Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City, she has now begun a hunger strike outside the white house she already looks wrestling.
3: pretty hungry which is yeah Joe
5: Biden yeah. well
0: now she's
3: thirsty and pizza. hungry
0: because she, she should have hit a couple
3: of all-you-can-eat buffets before she started that boy because she is <laughs> she, <laughs> she is need to swing by the yeah. golden
0: corral and carb load before she
5: started the <laughs> so sorry contract. what she's on,
3: she's on a hunger strike to do what
5: to so get the five-day fast was launched to coincide with what had been scheduled the end of a four-day truce in israel's military offensive but yeah, so she's just. Hang on uh, a sec. A five-day fast
3: effect. is not a hunger strike. That's a juice cleanse. <laughs> that, no, that's me <laughs> yeah. back when I was a struggling, you know, actor and comic, just getting yeah. to the end of the month and not even being able to eat for five yeah, days. Yeah, you that's got not... an
0: audition for Aquaman three, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you're going on a five-day cleanse. I got to get those abs popping that's for right. Six in the City five. So <laughs> you right. know, unbelievable yeah, five-day fast. That's a pretty
5: weak strike, hunger strike. Um, all right, well, let's let's move over to Mark Cuban. So Mark Cuban in the news now because he for a couple of reasons. First off, he announced that he's leaving Shark Tank after oh. fifteen seasons, I think sixteen seasons. And um and now he is finally releasing him back into the wild. That's right. I know. He's lived and in he's that tank
0: just- in captivity,
5: <laughs> hand
0: fed uh, hand-fed minnows by his trainer
3: in orlando florida probably that's right and now
0: and his fin was was toppled over god (laughs) a droopy fin and now he's being let go back to the open sea
5: good (laughs) it's good it's let him be free but the um so he's set to also sell a controlling share of the mavericks majority stake Mm 3.5 bill or
3: something right it's worth yeah
5: to the casino billionaire miriam adelson so he bought the Mavericks in 2000 for 285 million, nice. and it's um, reports are saying it's going to be a 3.5 billion dollar deal.
0: And that's for 55 percent or something like that. I mean, say controlling interest. That's not the whole price for the whole team. Mm. That's right. just a that's percentage just, that's of
5: majority it. stake. And but it's also going to be structured in an incredibly unusual way because he's going to retain some shares of the team. But even though he's not the majority owner, he will retain full control over basketball operations. Mm-hmm. So he'll still be very heavily involved so a lot of people saying um, this is suspicious this is suspect that he's leaving Shark Tank he's selling a majority stake of, the, of his basketball team um, people are thinking is it because he's going to run for president
3: oh. and he's trying to no it's because himself. all these really wealthy people understand that the end times are coming and that society is going to eat itself alive within the next probably 20 years oh. so they're all just selling up that's why Bill Gates sold his stuff, and now he's bought all the seeds in the world. Do you know what I mean? These people are yes. like, literally just going, huh. I need a controlling stake as much as I can over Earth, and I'm going to go. they're going to go and build their little spaceships, and they're going to go and get,
0: well, off, now, get off planet. Now you're talking, because yeah. I've had a theory for a number of years. Why are all the richest guys on the planet trying to go to space. Oh, yeah. They're all working on getting out of here.
3: We've been wiped out on... Now they've found a a third advanced human civilization from 13,000 years ago. You know, monolithic structures in Turkey and Malta that actually show there was... This predates the Sumerians 6,000 years ago that we know and we have evidence of what major archaeologists have. It's all suppressed by the Smithsonian's and and the uh, the CIA. But, um, yeah, no, there was another... We've been wiped out three times. The human race has been wiped out three times, which is... Very likely, if you look at any of the major, you can, you can look at it from a scientific side, uh, archaeologically, historically, or you can look at it from um, a theological side, even all those texts. We, we get wiped out by a great flood, and that's probably because we go through an asteroid field every few thousand years, and it slams into the earth, causes great floods, and we get whoosh, wiped off. When we get high
0: and go to the woods, this is going to be part of the conversation? Because oh, I am going to want freak to be, the fuck yeah. out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, when we get high and take mushrooms in the woods, you're, cannot, you're not going to be out tripping. You're going to trip for a little while and look at nature, and then you're going to go and lay down and close your eyes, and you're going to trip inside of yourself, man. That's how you really. That's how you connect. That's how you leave your body. Okay, it's it's, it's a whole different experience. But yeah, uh, for but, real, I think uh, we're, these rich people know. They well, know. Me, They're not idiots. They know more than we know. They all right, let me access. let
0: me float this trial balloon out. Mm. See what you think. Sure. Um, we're all, as human beings, basically narcissists. I mean, no fault of our own, but we worry about ourselves, you know, and we take care of others in our sphere and things like that. But, but we think in terms of, you know, how does this affect me? Right. And in the past, part of – one of the biggest sort of narcissistic thoughts is this is going to end on my watch, and we're not the first to have this Absolutely. Song. You're correct. And so in the past, it was all religious people. Mm-hmm. And basically, the rapture was coming in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. They would be the end. They would be the last people out of the stadium. You know, it's a narcissistic thought, but it's a consistent thought. And now the thought has sort of shifted from religious people to more agnostics and atheists mm-hmm. and the thought is not about the rapture but it's about nature and climate and more sort of less um, more real things that more, we can more real see. real things yeah, yeah, yes yeah. yes and so part of me looks around and I go Oh, this is end of days. Like here it is. Sure. These guys, there's all these wars breaking out everywhere, and all the nutjobs got the nukes, you know. Is this is and you hear Greta Thunberg talking and she's like, You're not gonna you know, we're not gonna be here in nine years if we keep going and blah, blah, blah. And then there's another part of me that goes, Maybe I'm just as guilty as the religious guy from five hundred years ago because I'm a narcissist and I think this is gonna end on my watch. Right. And I don't know
3: what to think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it will end on on your watch or on my watch or on any of our watches. But, I mean, we are pushing towards that. I think we're moving in that direction whether it happens during our lifetime or not. And uh, this is, again, psilocybin will help you. Because, like, honestly, once you, once you do that, you go, it doesn't really matter when that comes. It doesn't really mm. matter. If you've done enough work on yourself, if you're happy with yourself, if you're finding a way to feel love, feel connection, feel happiness on a daily basis, in small things, like this morning, I took my dog for a, a nice walk for an hour before I came here. hmm if I'm doing things like that and focusing on the things that make me feel fulfilled and happy, it doesn't matter. When the end times come, whether it's a big flood or a big new, you know, Russia sends over a bunch, America sends over a bunch, we all get blown smithereens. It doesn't really fucking matter. Mm. Because if you've done some work on yourself, when you're done, it's only, it's only a vessel. Your body's just a vessel. Now- when the
0: nukes are launched, mm. do you have some sort of emergency orgy plan?
3: <laughs> I do. I'm going to go and run to all the neighbors and knock on the doors and go, who wants it? I'm just going to be running up and down the street like, come on, we got five minutes before the fallout hits us. I wouldn't even bother
0: knocking on the door. I'd just put my dick through the mail slot and whoever gets to it first. You know what I mean? It's Man, end of days.
3: I actually, I don't, I did think about this. I wonder what my thought, if I saw a bright light in the sky and knew there's just like a couple of minutes until this is all over for me. Mm. What would I do? I, and, I, and I wonder whether sexual desire would be something I would go towards. I just don't think it is. I think I'd pour myself, after five years of sobriety, I would pour myself a nice long whiskey, like a really nice whiskey, mm. nice Japanese whiskey maybe, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and then okay, I'd sit okay. down with my dog and I'd just watch it. I'd sit out with a pair of binoculars and like stare at the thing and I'd just sit there with my doggy, stroking my dog. Yeah, That'd be the perfect way to go out. I would join you on that. Yeah. I'd probably text We'd be there. We'd be in the woods together. Ah, fuck your kids, man. Me, you, the
0: dog. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I'm just kissing the tips. All right. (laughs) Well, let's do one more, Chris. What do we got?
5: All right. So there's this uh, crazy video after a a rapper's concert, Nardo Wick. So he just finished doing a show in Tampa. I saw it. yeah, and a fan comes up and asks uh, he wants to, he wants to get a picture, and then he sees him like in the back of the club. So he he goes and he uh, he has his phone out and he wants to get a picture. And Nardo's bodyguards sucker punch him twice, right? So he gets hit on the side of the head. It stuns him, and then another guy punches him in the face. Like, and then he gets knocked down, ends up having to go to the hospital. And it's just this, it's just this terrible terrible video. But um, yeah, we have. Do you want to watch it? Yeah, I've seen it. You're gonna put your hand up? No, uh,
0: the guy survived. I guess he's yeah, got he terrible problems, though. But um,
3: like ongoing health issues from it. Like, well, I think he's still of... in the hospital, and this oh, happened
0: man. like ten minutes. He's gonna ago, get but... a check, though, isn't he? He's gonna get a serious. I check. think uh, Nardo's yeah. cutting a check.
5: Um, well, Nardo, he went on Instagram saying, uh, "You know, I don't condone what happened to my fan after the show." And in the video, he even like right at the end, you could see him kind of grab his bodyguard and tell him to chill.
0: Well. Uh, the thing about – all right, a couple things. The first bodyguard overreacts and just cold cocks the guy. Once the guy is stunned and sort of out on his feet, the second guy laying into him is bizarre and sort of very dangerous. It's almost like, like person, he might
3: have some repressed trauma of his own. And might I, just be I a little, would say he may be doing a little, that,
0: yeah. a little acting out. The first yeah. guy gives the shot. We can watch it. Uh, and it's like, what the hell? But this, it's the second guy. So the guy goes behind him and he's stunned. And the second guy just dives on him like trying to kill him, which is a bizarre yeah. impulse for a guy who's just sort of slumped over. Also,
3: I hate the nature of these videos because we never get to see a lead We never get to see what, what, what's, what's led to this moment. What, I mean, this kid's out cold. He's and and, and also the other guy, he doesn't really look like a bodyguard. He no. looks
0: like a neighborhood dude no, who's he, hanging he looks out. Like,
3: he looks like he's part of his entourage. You know what I mean? Like, why did he right. slap crew? him? Yeah.
0: He literally throws a combo to his face. I mean, that. so in my world, that guy is more dangerous and needs to be incarcerated than somebody, than the wife who tried to poison the husband and collect the insurance. Oh, Th- wow. that's, these are the most dangerous amongst us. The wife that tried to poison the husband and collect the insurance is never going to do that to you unless you marry her.
3: <laughs> I mean, I think they're both scumbags, uh, you know, Yes. Yeah, but that's, this that's, that's hard dangerous. to watch. I mean, if he's literally walking around with a phone trying to get a photo, what may have happened to lead up to that, I imagine, is he's gone, oh, come on, man, come on, let me just get a photo. Come on, bro, let me get a photo. Let me go. And he's hassling. But there's a very Maybe, easy way. Well, when you're a giant bouncer like that, all you've got to do is just push him away. He's not He's That kid clearly had no. Well, the first
0: guy has some plausible deniability, which is he felt that his client was being threatened. And kind, he didn't know yeah. what the phone could have been a gun, you sure. know, whatever. And he slugs a guy. He's still going to get sued, but there's some plausible deniability.
3: Yeah, the second guy was a little animal.
0: As the guy was completely out on his feet and posed no danger, the second guy who
3: slammed his head to the ground. I mean, that's It's always interesting the small ones, the smaller violent yes. dudes always jump in once the big guy's already given a slap. Once they Chihuahuas know it's all okay. and Saint Bernards. Yeah, the yeah.
0: Chihuahua's the one that's always doing the yapping. All I don't want to watch it again. It's, it's, it's,
3: it's even it's, even the bigger bouncer tries to like stop him. He even yeah. just goes whoa whoa whoa, like, you know, like what are you doing, man? All
0: right, so Nardo's yeah. getting sued.
3: Well,
5: yeah. So they obviously want to press charges, but Nardo's not giving up the names of his guys.
3: Can I say quite shamefully? I when you started this and you said uh, you know uh, after a rap concert, Nardo. I I don't know who the hell Nardo is. I've never heard. of I don't him in know who Nardo. I is thought either. you meant Nardois. I was like Nardwa, sort the hip hop interviewer got. <laughs> got one of his fans beaten up. I think I couldn't imagine him. His that's Nardwa Yes, Nardois. Is he in the, the UK? Uh, oh no, he's a very famous um, uh, uh, alternative interviewer who is re- w- very well respected, certainly within the rap community. I'm he's not a, immersed he's in this that very world. Strange white dude with a kind of curly hair and uh, a little golf hat with um, tartan print on it. and He asks very. He, he does a, such a deep dive on his interviewees. Oh, there then he is. him out. There you go. I was, I was imagining yeah. like this guy. Was like, well, that dude
0: in Hollen Oats? (laughs) All right. Well, you know, there is another famous Nardo who's not in the rap community. Right. Who's that? We can find it. Emmy, you can look for it. Um, You can find Louis De Palma. Put in Louis De Palma shouting out Nardo Um, in the sitcom Taxi. The famous sitcom Taxi. With Annie Kaufman. Uh, with Andy Kaufman and and Judd Hirsch and and uh, Danny DeVito mm-hmm. and, and many others.
3: Belushi was he in that as well or not? Am I no, up?
0: I'm no, she, up. he wasn't. But Elaine, wh- oh, not Elaine. What is the actress with the photographic memory? Mary Lou Henner. But... Mary Lou Henner. Yeah.
5: Um, I think
0: her name in 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 Taxi was it Elaine Nardo? Yes. 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 So, d- d- so Nardo is what. Louis de Palma was his name in the sitcom. He'd go, Nardo! Like, that's the original Nardo. Right. Now, I don't know if Nardo, the rap act, was a huge taxi fan and took the name from that. I'm, I'm going, probably
3: not. Hundred No, I th- I'm going to go 100% yes. 100% yes. 100% yes. He's a super big into taxi old fan. Series. Yeah, he grew up watching the And he reruns loved Elaine
0: Nardo. So much. It's out there. There's. There's got to be Louis. That was his big thing. He'd get into the microphone. He'd be in the cage, and he wouldn't say Elaine. He would yell Nardo, and she'd come <laughs> skirling along. Yeah, and she never got anyone beaten up, as far as I know. Not that Nardo, no. But the rapper whose name was inspired
3: from her. From her. So basically, work. You're saying he's letting down the, the namesake a little bit. He's almost.
0: Elaine Nardo is not going to be happy, to happy yeah. about what he has done to besmirch her good, good name. Yeah. is it? Does it exist, Emmy? Does uh, Taxi with... Um,
3: I'm still looking. He's still looking. The best it of exists, the but on VHS,
0: I think. That's unfortunately... Yeah. What. Or maybe on a wax cylinder somewhere. Yeah. I'm dating myself. But um, yeah, it was uh, Danny DeVito... I'd just type in Danny DeVito yelling Nardo, and we'll see if uh, see if something
3: pops up. Someone's gonna at some point splice the sound from Taxi over that video. Nardo, oh, Nardo, no, pop. No, no, no. pop, Nardo, pop. Yeah. Oh man, mash it up. There you go. That's the remix. All right, right I'm there. not
0: going anywhere until you find Danny DeVito yelling Nardo. And that was you looked it up, Chris. That is her last name, Elaine Nardo. Yeah. yeah. We got that part yeah. right. All right, do one more for us then.
5: All right. Um, so Robert De Niro, he just uh, spoke at the Gotham Awards. He's pissed. He was, he, yeah, he's he upset. So he had this whole speech written out, um, but then he appeared flustered as he read his remarks from the teleprompter, which scrolled back and forth as he attempted to find his place. And he realized that his speech was edited by Apple, who produced mm. the film that um, Kills the Flower Moon. Yes. So, uh, So he decided to... Uh, Go off script and we have the video of it. It's like two minutes long. We could watch some of it
4: The beginning of my speech was edited cut out. I didn't know about it and I want to read it
0: Don't encourage this (laughs) Elderly abuse
4: it was thank you History isn't history anymore Truth is not truth even facts are being replaced by alternative facts And driven by conspiracy theories and ugliness, in Florida, young students are taught that slaves develop skills which could be applied for their personal benefit. The entertainment industry isn't Uh, immune.
0: They're taught that when they were enslaved, they learned trades when they were enslaved. And then when they were free, many of them went into those trades, which is not a lie. You don't have to like it, but it's it's historically what happened. So his he gets right out of the gate with the lies, except for how could it not be true? You can have slaves... I don't, I don't, I
3: don't think that's the comment he's making. I think he's saying that the the way it's being presented is almost that this was a boon in those slaves' lives. That, it's the, not. The, the, you the, know, the,
0: the people who wrote the story, the people who wrote the textbooks are two elderly black scholars, and they said... Many slaves learn trades, and then when they're freed, they use those trades. That's all. This is them twisting that.
3: But if they were still back in whatever origin country they were brought over against their will, they probably would have learned a whole different set of trades that would have benefited them way more without, you know, receiving 50 lashes on the back on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, that's not the point. The point is— That's like going, listen, I am sex trafficking—that's like going, he is sex trafficking women, but— you know, it's. I mean, they're really learning how to fuck well, and that's an important thing that you know they can put that to use on the streets when they get freed. You know, well, it's, it's not,
0: listen, you're writing a history book, right? Yeah, you have to write about things that happened. It sure. either happened or didn't happen, good or bad.
3: Sure. So but you're, you're also go, educating the, children. I think the way that you do that, you have to be at least so at least mildly socially conscious of the information that you put into those. Why
0: is it it hurtful to kids to accurately report that some slaves learned a trade while they were slaves and then opened businesses using those trades?
3: Well, it almost suggests that it was, like I say, like a positive thing in their lives. It suggests
0: that they have sort of the dominion over themselves like it's a positive that mm. they learned something and then applied something yeah but they would have learned way more in their home countries that well would, would they, have they can add being, that yeah. as an addendum but what i'm saying is, is it's not a lie oh, man. he's calling it a lie
3: yeah this one i don't know if we're going to agree on that
0: well you sure. don't like slavery i, I definitely do not like right. slavery but everyone in the world did it do right, we right. Do you understand that
3: uh at some point yeah everyone, everyone did it, it. Yeah, most
0: people, most people did it. A lot no, of, every nation was involved with slavery. Not every nation yes, was involved predates, with
3: slavery. predates the United States.
0: No. Do you know that?
3: Well, of course there was slavery in, you know, ancient Egypt and uh, yes. the Roman Empire and the Grecian Empire. Yes. I'm aware of that. The Macedonian Empire. And, and the it kept going. Empire. It kept going. Sean. Right. There has been we, slavery we at every point. But that doesn't make, make it, you know, positive in anyone's life. Who said that? Well, maybe these textbooks. That's what he's suggesting, I guess. He's lying. He's lying. They said,
0: well, "How do you find fault with this?" First off, it's a historical textbook. Man, you got you got. So you, you don't like if the Hindenburg? If the we, Hindenburg caught on fire. You disagree, or you don't like it, it or people died, or it was bad.
3: Definitely caught on fire.
0: I caught on fire. Yeah. All right. So am I allowed to write that? Of course. Yeah. Or
3: you don't like people dying in a dirigible? I get what you're saying, but they're not saying. They're not saying. Uh, oh God, no, I mean, that's. That, I don't even know if those two. things Well, here's can, the question: Did people
0: parallel. learn a trade
3: while they were slaves? Oh, again! I haven't done enough research on this to make any. Well, do you kind think of it's possible and... that they wouldn't learn a trade? Yeah, they probably learned how to pick cotton because that's what some they some did. But then born, right?
0: others learn how to build or or blacksmith. Understood. Okay, can we agree on that?
3: Oh, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Some people so people then, can we also agree
0: girls? that once they were freed, they remained blacksmiths and made their own? Oh, job.
3: that was probably, yeah, maybe, maybe. Some, oh, no, some, no, that's had to happen. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, man. Just because you are taught a particular trade against your will that you never wanted to fucking learn in the first place doesn't mean that's a good thing for you. Just no, because who, those, there because, is no good because, thing for because them. Those, because those people learn how to uh, But pick who said up, it was up, a good thing? That's not the. That's that's how it's been presented. No, certainly by certainly by Florida, Florida Floridian political figures who have defended the the reasoning for including that in the textbooks. They have presented it, and I've seen that. Certainly, that one thing I can say because I have digested some of the material. They have presented it like, you know, this is this was uh, positive for these people's lives. That is, has that is been a common thing. Well, learning a trade, a being,
0: being freed and possessing a skill learning is better than Learning a trade under than
3: duress not. does not mean that is what you would remotely have been interested in learning, exploring, or becoming if you had been living your life as a free person. Yeah, but that's not part of the curriculum. Sure, and I, I don't necessarily feel like that needs to be part of the curriculum either doesn't, doesn't well, it doesn't add anything to the learning that I'm getting. You're, learning that people,
0: you're writing a historical account of sure. things that happen. Sure. So either it happened or didn't happen. But if it happened, it good or bad, happened, what was the, you what was put the, it into the into the script?
3: What was the reasoning for the for, for the inclusion of that in the rewrite? The reasoning? Yeah. What was the reasoning for It happened historically
0: because said. they said to people recount
3: what happened over the course of slavery. See, I disagree. I think that it was included in the rewrite of these textbooks to present uh, history in a slightly different light, in a light that is more favorable to, uh, you know, to... But why is it your job to figure out the light? It either happened or it didn't happen. Sure, it happened. A lot of things happened this morning. I had a massive shit, but I wouldn't have come on here and immediately gone, "Hey, just so you know, I had a shit this morning." Like, All right, it's not necessarily useful for the. You're not making sense.
0: They wrote a textbook <laughs> about something that happened.
3: He's calling it a lie,
0: except for it happened. Right. So it's not a good example of a lie. You don't like it. I don't like it. But it happened. Understand? That's what I'm saying. Understand? All right, we'll okay. let him. We can, we can agree on that. Okay. Oh, we got more? That's it. That's all he said. And then he paused. <laughs> Wait, he, had no. a, he had
3: a Mitch McConnell. He just sat, sat there back for the next two ten minutes.
0: seconds. Mitch McConnell maybe got punched by Nardo's goons.
3: This <laughs>
4: could be applied for their personal benefit. The entertainment industry isn't immune to this festering disease. The Duke John Wayne famously said of Native Americans, I don't feel we did wrong in taking this great country away from them. There were great numbers of people who needed new land, and the Indians were selfishly trying to keep it for themselves. Lying has become just another tool in the charlatans' arsenal. By the way, both both
0: things were just things that either happened or somebody said. You disagree with both of them, but they're not examples. There's a million COVID examples of lying, for instance. This is John Wayne drunk saying something stupid about Indians, which he did say, right. which we disagree with. And then this is a historical account of slavery, but not good examples of lies
4: for themselves. Lying has become just another tool in the charlatans arsenal. The former president lied to us more than 30,000 times during his four. Thank you. Years in office, and he's keeping up the pace in his current campaign of retribution. But with all his lies, he can't hide his soul. He attacks the weak, destroys the gifts of nature, and shows disrespect, for example, by using Pocahontas as a slur. Filmmakers, on the other hand, strive. This is where I came in, and I saw that they edited all that.
0: All right, he's turning an old blowhard. Trump, poor Trump's like, if I get reelected, I got to do seventy five hundred lies a year average. Otherwise, I, I'm not. I'm not going to be those numbers. I'm going to lose gonna to my numbers. my so personal best. Say, All right, you can stop. Uh, the, look, so anyway, De Niro wanted, is an idiot.
5: Apple wanted him to obviously just talk about the movie. Yes. So they 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 took that speech and they revised it and delivered it to the teleprompter less than ten minutes before the event started.
0: Yes, because they didn't want the old blowhard pontificating about how much he hates this country either. They want to kind of stick to the script, which was their
3: movie. He's an idiot. I just, You know what's, what's stupid? I think they're all idiots because none of them understand the reasoning they're there for. If you're going to invite Robert De Niro to come and accept an award and give a speech, then expect him to talk about the things he's passionate about if that's where he's at in his life. Oh, and yeah. Which it clean no, is. that's on and them. Vice versa. If it. you're doing movies with Apple, guess what? they got fucking slave shops in China. You, you, you're, yes. you're, you're, you're working for the devil anyway, mate. So if, you're truly, if you truly care that much, set up your own independent production company and make your own movies with your own money. Well, I would argue many of those slaves quality, that you know?
0: Apple employs do learn a skill, and it can <laughs> oh, be implied. They can't be applied once they're free.
3: Making an iPhone isn't a transferable <laughs> skill.
0: You take that right out to the market, man. <laughs> take it to the street. Open a kiosk. There you go. Homemade phones. There you come go. Come on now. Where's you your go. imagination? All right, Jeff, this has been a slice of
3: heaven. I really mean it. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking with you. It's been fun.
0: Yeah, whenever, how often are you out in L.A.?
3: Oh, I live in. I live down the road. Oh, oh I, I thought, like thought you were New away. York
0: based. Ten ten oh, minutes, well, then uh, come back anytime you like. I would love that. That's a fun conversation. I would love that. All right. Uh, by the way, the stand-up special, Jeff Leach, a comedy spectacular, available as we speak. Jeff Leach comedy oh, sorry, JeffLeach.com is where you go. Je- well, Leach.com, actually. Oh, sorry. JeffLeach.com sorry.
3: is a Texas State Republican uh, ah. <laughs> candidate who I do not want to be associated with.
0: My mistake. <laughs> no,
3: com. Just Google it. You'll find it. It'll be
0: there. Uh, the founder, co-founder of The Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring, is going to be on, and we'll do that right after this.
1: Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.
2: It's time to check Adam's voicemail. Just
0: ran a left turn arrow. Get it on.
2: You can leave us a message at 888-634-1744.
0: Jeremy Boring is joining us. Lady Ballers is the name of the new film. It'll premiere exclusively on Daily Wire Plus, and that'll be uh, tomorrow as you hear this, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Jeremy starred in, directed it, and it's a interesting story. Not only the, the movie, but the path to the movie. Good to see you, Jeremy. Good to see you. Um, so tell us, uh, I, I've seen the trailer. I've heard you interviewed on it on uh, Ben show. So I know a bit about it. But tell us the story of Lady Ballers.
7: Well, it's all right there in the name, I think. So a guy this morning asked me, what's the plot? And I said, well, it's called Lady Ballers. It's a, you know, it's a ragtag bunch of former high school state champion basketball players who they're down on their luck now. They don't know how to get back in the game. And their coach comes up with the brilliant idea of having them identify as women. What starts as them dominating women's basketball quickly becomes them dominating every woman's sport.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bizarre time we're in because every reasonable logical normal person or anyone who has a daughter who's involved with any kind of competitive sports is steadfast against them competing against a male and you know it's one thing if they're playing volleyball or basketball but contact sports action sports mma stuff like that uh it's physically dangerous uh to their daughter to play so We have this bizarre construct where everyone ostensibly agrees on this premise. I do not want this. I do not want my daughter competing against males in sports. And when she's done competing against males in sports, when she goes to her locker room, she does not want to see a male with male genitalia walk into the locker room and expose themselves to her, even if they identify as a female. So everyone agrees on that. But yet you will be destroyed if you say that out loud. That's an interesting place to be as a society.
7: Well, we pretend that it's controversial, but to your point, it's not controversial at all. I don't even think 80 percent of people on the left don't believe any of this nonsense, right? It's just it's become a kind of sacred cow that you're simply not allowed to speak about. And that used to be considered great fodder for comedy. I mean, one of the critiques we've gotten since we released the trailer for the film is you guys aren't real comedians and. That's true, but real comedians didn't make the movie. You know, There was a time, I, my personal premise is I think Barack Obama actually just destroyed comedy. I don't think that there is really a comedy movie genre anymore, certainly not like we had in the late 90s and the early 2000s. That entire kind of film just came to an end. Uh, but we need that in our culture. We need somebody to make entertainment that mocks the absurdities that go on all around us. And so we're happy to be trying to do
0: it. Now, what's the premise in terms of Obama destroying comedy?
7: Yeah, well, I think that you know, for the left, especially in the early days, 2007, 2008, Obama sort of emerged as a kind of religious figure. You may remember the head writer of SNL at the time made the argument that it was as though Obama were carved from a single piece of pure obsidian, that there was literally nothing funny about him at all. And I think Obama essentially rewrote the rules, not only for comedy, but for comedy especially. He said to comedians, he said to uh, to journalists, uh, he said to academics, you know, your your job isn't to seek truth. Your job isn't to speak truth to power. Your job isn't to mock absurdity. Your job is to be agents of social change. You know, I, I think about Bill Clinton all the time in this regard. You know, if, if Dave Letterman hadn't made jokes about Monica Lewinsky in the blue dress in the 90s, He wouldn't have been able to have lived with himself. Now, that's not because he was on the right. Dave Letterman's very far to the left. But his identity as a comic was that he had a responsibility to mock the powerful, to mock the absurd. Today, comedians don't see that as their responsibility. They, like so many others, see their responsibility as being agents of of progressive change. And that's left, you know, I think a part of the culture's natural immune system now has been eradicated because the role that comics have always provided, the role that journalists have always provided and, and academics and others is to be part of that immune system to help us, you know, not get caught up in these sort of du jour crazy ideas, not to get caught up in, uh, you know, the the new powers that uh, want to wield their, their powers over us. You know, those tools have now been taken away from us to be able to see those things for what they are.
0: Well, what people don't realize is good satire, and short bursts are more powerful than long proclamations by stuffy dignitaries. For instance, it was you were forbidden from talking about the origins of COVID and may, may have come from a lab or came from a wet market. And then everyone sort of bit their tongue for X amount of months and even years. And then Jon Stewart went on Colbert's show And made a very short sort of funny joke about why we're why it's absurd for us to think it came from a wet market when the lab is up the street and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden everyone went, oh, okay." so I guess it's okay to talk about that now. You know, he's not an elected official. He's not a politician. He's not anybody, but he's a comedian. And he basically said, oh, now we can do this. And and. It's not like a a, a switch was flipped, but it's a dimmer switch that got turned up where people went, Oh, okay. I guess it's, it's okay to bring this up or to mock it or to laugh about it or to discuss it. So that's a good example. And during COVID, that's what I was saying. I was saying, where are the comedians? Where are all the comedians? I, I live in California. All the comedians live in California, and the ones that don't live in New York. And there were two states and cities—California, you know, New York and LA—that were completely locked down. And I didn't hear word one from any comedians. Not not a word from now. You couldn't hear him. Couldn't you? Couldn't
7: hear him through their N95 mask.
0: Right, right. Now, no, there was fringe guys who talked about it, but nobody who had a gig. Nobody who could have been separated from their job. And I would say, and I said during the time, I said, boy, when you get the comedians, you've got everybody because they're the last to go. You know, you can get the school teachers and you can get the politicians and you can get the moms. But when you get the comedians, that means you got everybody.
7: Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think about growing up in the you know, I, I was a teenager in the 90s. And how much of our social ethics actually came from Jerry Seinfeld during that period of time? You know, I grew up eating. I'm from West Texas, so we only eat Mexican food, you know. Uh, and so my entire life, you eat these chips and salsa, you know, and you're just dipping and dipping and dipping. And then Jerry Seinfeld makes a joke about double dipping. And, and for the 30 years since then, I've never seen anyone stick a chip that's already been bitten into a jar of or into a bowl of salsa, which used to be completely common practice. No one had ever thought one thing about it. Right. But we've we've lost that out of our we've lost that out of our culture and it it's one thing to think about what it means for eating a bowl of chips but what does it mean for our politics what does it mean for our social policy what does it mean for how our daughters get treated uh, out in the in the you know in the locker room or playing their sports i mean there's actually an important role i mean you you know this better than anybody there's an important role for comedy uh, and if we don't get it back i think that it spells something really bad for us as a culture
0: well there's an important role especially in that If you're arguing with someone with a a, with a different viewpoint, um, you don't oftentimes win those arguments. But what the left does very nicely is they mock and the mockery works fantastically. And you could literally take a Jon Stewart type versus Ted Cruz with all the facts, have a debate. And all Jon Stewart would have to do is get in one jab, little mockery. Audience yep. erupts, and then at the end you go, "Who won the debate?" And you go, "The comedian did, because he fucked that guy up." You
7: know, at the daily at the Daily Wire from from the very beginning, I've had a policy not to let our guys ever debate a comedian because you can't <laughs> possibly win. It doesn't matter. To your point, it doesn't matter what facts you bring to bear. You got nothing.
0: Yeah, and so speaking of that, and harkening back to SNL and uh, Obama. Uh, he was just a no-fly zone for you know, eight years, and SNL, all they do is make fun of the president. I mean, that's, that's essentially what they've done for 42 years or whatever it is. Then all of a sudden, there's no Obama jokes, and they went, uh, well, there's nothing funny. I mean, he's perfect. I mean, there's nothing. And by the way, even if there's nothing there, you still have to find something and make fun. I mean, Chevy Chase did Gerald Ford falling all over the place or something. I, Gerald Ford was a All-American football player. Probably some footage of him slipping yeah. down some wet stairs or something. And that's all they did was have Chevy Chase fall over the desk every time he was Gerald Ford. But recently in the last week or the week before on SNL, they started getting into Biden. And the reason you, you can kind of tell when things are absent because that was all the talk like, Oh, SNL made a joke about the president. And it's like, yeah, that's what they're supposed to do. They just haven't, they just don't do it during democratic administrations, which is now very telling, but the fact that they started on Biden, um, that's a very eerie harbinger for Biden. When when you've lost SNL. Oh, I agree. That's the beginning of the end, right?
7: Sure. Well, well, now if a comedian does make a joke, especially if, yeah, if SNL makes a joke, then it does have far more political meaning than it would have when they were just doing it in the ordinary course. You know, I in the movie Lady Ballers, because I'm not a comedian and I was trying to write this script, you know, and come up with some things. And I did write what I think is an incredibly Adam Corolla joke. And I won't give the whole thing away here except to say that the punchline is cordless reciprocating saw. Oh. So
0: I think maybe
7: when you see it, you'll be proud of me.
0: Yeah. Now, cordless reciprocating saw could be what we call a sawzall, but that's a brand name. Like Q-tip is a brand name for cotton swab, also known as a bayonet saw as well. But it could also mean a jigsaw or scrolling Saw. So I'm going to have to watch the movie to make sure you got the uh, nomenclature right.
7: Now you have a reason.
0: I would have. uh, Anyway, because the trailer looks funny. And I'm generally now just in support of anybody who does not support crazy narratives. And one thing, and maybe COVID sped it along, but the pushback has now been sort of organized and legitimized. Do you sort of feeling that, that... Folks like us just sort of went along with it, you know, take your beatings on Twitter, take your beatings in the media, you know, just take your beatings for having opinions that you think are very sensible, but go against the common culture. The last year, I feel like they've got it together and, and there's a legitimate pushback for the I didn't want to say the right, just the people who think in a linear, logical fashion.
7: Yeah, team reality, right? Like, you, you don't see Dylan Mulvaney on TV anymore. Remember right. when you couldn't turn on the TV, you couldn't open up the internet without Dylan Mulvaney anywhere? And I really do think that Bud Light was a turning point. But that's the first time that you saw the right uh, really mobilize in an effective way and create economic consequences for some of this madness. And I'm generally pro-free speech. I don't think boycotts are all that commendable uh, in normal times. So We don't live in normal times, though. And I think it was really powerful what happened there. And, and the left definitely pulled back. You're seeing, you're hearing less of the madness. It's not that the madness itself has gone away, uh, but they're being a little bit more discreet about it at the moment. Uh, To me, that just means we're on the right path. We got to keep going. We got to push harder and we got to bring mockery into our arsenal uh, as well as a bunch of other tools that team reality hasn't accustomed, hasn't been accustomed to using because team reality goes to work. Team reality uh, throws a catch with their kid. Team reality, you know, is, is living their lives. They're not devoted to the culture war 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like some of the lunatics that we're up against are. So if we pay attention at all, I think that we'll be able to make a pretty big impact.
0: Well, you're always at a disadvantage because you're like Israel versus Hamas and Palestine. It's like, you just want to get along. You just want to raise your kids. You just want to have a good civil society. You want to enjoy music and the arts. Like you just want to be, it's like COVID. All I wanted to be is left alone. But I'm at a disadvantage yeah. because I have a bunch of weaponized nut jobs around me who don't want to leave me alone. But it, it's the same if you had a crazy roommate or a crazy neighbor. The sane person always suffers because you're saying to your crazy neighbor, I just want to get along. I don't want any trouble. The ball comes over the fence. I'll throw it back over the your side. You don't have to call the cops. But if they're crazy and that's their mission, then at some point – When the ball comes over the fence, you need to ram a steak knife through it and paint a frowny face on it and kick it back over the (laughs) fence because that's the only thing they understand. Sadly, you thought they wanted to be left alone. You thought they wanted peace. You thought they wanted to just raise their children. You thought they loved this country. You you thought all these things for a long time.
7: It's one of the big tricks in life, and I learned it early in my marriage, that you actually have to communicate with people based on how they give and receive information not based on how you give and receive information so my wife and i had this fight early in our marriage i have no doubt that i was wrong i have no idea what it was about and that's not me making a, a guys are always wrong joke I'm just saying my my wife is a, a decent person she usually doesn't get angry unless there's something to be angry about but when she got angry she really yelled at me she lit into me in a way that i am not wired i would not in any way have have done that to her and i man i was one foot out the door. I was so upset by this, and instead of doing that, I sat down with her and I said, "Hey, listen. If I ever yell at you the way that you just yelled at me, I just want you to know I'm done. Like th- that would mean over. I wouldn't yell at my worst enemy that way. You are you are dead to me." Said, but I'm I'm going to just guess since you generally seem to like me, okay, and we just got married. That probably that's not what it meant when you did it. And we had a good talk about it. And we sort of came to the conclusion that you know not perfectly but that I would endeavor to think about uh, what she means, not you know what she intended, not what I receive. And when she's coming up with her behavior, she would do the same. So it's caused us to be in a better place where if she does occasionally raise her voice, I understand that she's not telling me that I'm a lousy son of a bitch. And also she endeavors not to raise her voice that way because she knows that's not how I would receive it. And I think that the West generally, uh, or you know, the good guys for lack, lack of a better term, generally, just assume that everyone only means what we would mean in a similar situation we're always imparting to people the sort of benefit of the doubt what would it when some people speak much different languages some people people speak the language of power some people speak the language of strength some people speak the language of shame some people speak the language of coercion and if you don't hear them on their own terms you'll never actually understand what it is that they're trying to tell you and you'll have no idea how to respond to them
0: yeah that's the new world order They don't. Sometimes it's micro. Some oftentimes macro. Don't assume they want what you want just because what you want is logical. Right. Lady Ballers is the name of the film. And uh, we're also going to do a trailer for uh, Bircham, my animated series, which will be if you if you purchase Lady Ballers exclusively on uh, Daily Wire Plus, if where it's going to premiere, you can see a trailer for uh, Bircham, which we're pretty proud of too so that'll be coming up on the daily wire as well Um,
7: i'm thrilled about bertram you know working with your team mike august and nate adams and dave coleman on my side uh, i really think you guys have created something genuinely special when i saw that first animatic that you had done years ago around the character i thought it was one of the funniest things i'd ever seen when we found out that it was possible we might be able to collaborate on it together it was a real treat so i think people are going to be thrilled with it
0: yeah, I'm proud of it. I think you guys are gonna love it. You're gonna love the trailer and you're gonna love Lady Ballers as well tomorrow, eight PM exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. Jeremy, I look forward to seeing you in person when I'm in the Nashville area at some point. And uh congratulations yes, on uh keeping that train rolling, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Adam. All right, uh let's see, director. Andrew Davis, who's done Under Siege and The Fugitive and so many big movies, is going to join us right after this.
5: You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Ishmael Beah, who at the age of 13 was forced to become a child soldier. The first day that we went to war, uh, I think it was the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me just on the way there. There was an ambush and then we started exchanging fire. And there was a kid that when we were training had looked up to me, he was next to me and there was an explosion and his body flew and he was scared. There was blood all over my face and everything and I just lost it and I started shooting. Shooting to kill. When you go and take out another life and dehumanize it, in reverse you dehumanize yourself, your own spirit, your own being and it takes a lot of undoing. I was once a kid who loved hip-hop, run DMC, LL Cool J, learned Shakespeare, wanted to be an economist. And then I became a soldier. To hear about life in a war zone where he fought for three years before being rescued by UNICEF, check out episode 622 of The Jordan Harbinger Show.
2: In honor of Jim Carolla's 92nd birthday, here's a list of all the things Adam Carolla will do before he dies. Hawk a championship belt or a Super Bowl ring at a pawn shop when he hits rock bottom. Just one of the things Adam will do before he dies. Let's get back to the Adam Carolla Show.
0: All right, Andrew Davis, director Andrew Andrew Davis. Um, Let's see, some films you've heard of. The Fugitive, amazing film. Uh, Above the Law, Under Siege, personal favorite. Uh, Code of Silence. Uh, So many films over so many years. Good to have you in studio.
8: Nice to be here.
0: We'll pull that mic right up to your uh, soup cooler there, and even tilt it down just a, a little bit. That'll be helpful. Good to see you. Thank you for letting me be here. Um, now, there's a movie, one of them, 45th anniversary, your first film, Stony Island, my right? first child. And what? Uh, how did the Steven Seagal connection come about with you?
8: Well, I made a film called Code of Silence, and uh, and. Uh, Seagal, uh, I guess, liked it. And uh, I was going to do another film for Warner Brothers. And uh, uh, they said, well, we want you to meet this guy because I was thinking maybe John Boyd can play the lead. It was a, a kids stealing televisions off the docks in San Francisco. So uh, they said, well, meet this guy, Steven Seagal. I didn't know nothing about him. And uh, so we had lunch together. And he says, I picked you. I saw Code of Silence. I want you to do my first movie. I said, who are you? What have you done before? He said, well, I'm Michael Ovitz's martial arts teacher, <laughs> who was the biggest agent in Hollywood at the time. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, and I said, well, you know, I don't know if you can act. He said, well, all the other directors I talked to said, let's just go. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, so he did a screen test with Kelly LeBrock. Sure. And I uh, went to Chicago with him. Was and, Kelly LeBrock weird science? Yes. Yeah, beautiful. It was his girlfriend at the time. Yes. And uh, I took him to Chicago and I put him in a car with some real cops and we did a little martial arts kick ass scene in the basement of a garage and a touching scene with his supposed wife that was based upon this other script I was going to do. And I came back and they saw the test and they said, wow, this is great. You know, I said, but I think you're making the wrong movie with this guy. He told me the story about how he's a kid from Detroit who went to Japan, and it was in a dojo, and he opened a dojo, and he worked for the CIA, and he did mm-hmm. all these things. And I said, whether it's true or not, it's a more interesting story. And the producer went, oh, my God, what are you trying to do? And the, and the studio said, how long will it take you to write it? And I said, uh, you know, five weeks, because there was a strike going to happen with the Writers Guild. Mm-hmm. And, uh I hired Ron Shusett, who wrote *Alien*, and a guy named Stephen Pressfield, who later became a very famous novelist. And we wrote the script based upon a guy who was in Vietnam, who had witnessed all these horrific things, and comes back to Chicago, and uh, has to deal with uh, the issues of what's happening now in Central America. So that was the basis of *Above the Law*. And then *Under Siege* came after that. Yeah. Several films later, Terry Semel, the head of Warner Brothers, said, get Davis back
0: together with Seagal. I'll tell you, that film, it's a gem. And, uh, I, you know, Tommy Lee Jones acted his ass off in that film, and so did Gary Busey. Like, they were both great. Seagal was great in it. Like, everyone, everyone Erica Aliniak was uh, the, the playboy, jumped out of the cake. I, everyone was fantastic in that film. Tommy's actually in the film
8: longer than Steven Seagal. Is he? Yeah. And then we did The Fugitive immediately after that. And I had done The Package with Tommy before with Gene Hackman.
0: Yeah, uh, Tommy Lee, I mean, he stole The Fugitive. I mean, in, in a weird way, Under Siege and The Fugitive was kind of the same, which is it was about Harrison Ford or it was about Steven Seagal, but it was really Tommy Lee Jones who kind of stole it. Well, I wouldn't say he stole it. I mean – I don't uh, want to say – I don't want to assign no, no, a pejorative no, no. Listen,
8: to it. But, he won the Academy Award. Okay? Yes. But Harrison's if you, you – know, just having watched the film a lot lately in the 30th anniversary and remastering it. You know, Harrison did a great job, you know, and and as Tommy said when he was standing over the dam, he's the greatest silent actor we have with all of his emotional stuff. He didn't have anybody to talk to in that movie. Right. So I think they both – it was a two-hander because you really cared about Harrison and you really didn't want Tommy to kill
0: him because he was innocent. We have uh, Siskel and Ebert's review. I loved – I used to love watching Siskel and Ebert and um, Siskel – Oh, let's see, Ebert. No, Siskel died first, and then Ebert died. Yes, yes, I think that's how. And, and it's sad. And it was just appointment viewing for me back in the day. I think I used to watch at the movies when it was like on PBS, like way back it started in the day. On
8: WTTW in Chicago, and then it went. Then Disney bought it. Now you
0: hadn't seen their review of the no of Under Siege. Somebody sent this to me yesterday, and you never saw it. I never saw this uh well i guess uh, I guess we can watch it. I can watch it for the first time now, although to be honest, I probably saw it in real time you know twenty six years ago or whenever the, when it come out uh the year before the future thirty one years ago holy shit i 'm old all right let's uh let's see now this is the kind of movie that they would hate today. The critics would hate today, but we'll see what they have to say about
6: it. Coming up next, a review of the most popular film in America right now, Steven Seagal in Under Siege. I'm thrilled to death to hear that. Yeah. That's Steven Seagal, of course, in Under Siege, and to date, approximately 6 million people have already seen this film, and I'm sure... That makes six million satisfied customers because Under Siege is simply wonderful, an exciting, funny, and totally energized action picture with a pair Mm. of terrific villains and a very funny hero. Seagal, of course, is the hero, a Navy cook who knows more than just how to stir up good grub. He finds himself on a nuclear warhead-loaded battleship in the Pacific that is suddenly under attack from an American-led terrorist group. Tommy Lee Jones is the bad guy in charge, a disaffected (laughs) CIA agent.
4: You really think blowing up a bunch of innocent people is going to change anything? What made you flip like this?
6: I got tired of coming up with last-minute desperate solutions to impossible problems created by other people. Jones has either killed or locked up everybody on the ship except ex-Navy seal Sigal and a Playboy Playmate, Erica Aleniak, who has been brought on board for a party. Tell you what, I'll carry everything. You killed what we run into, all right?
5: I have a little rule about killing people. Well, actually, I have two rules. See, one, I don't date musicians, and two, I do not kill people, okay?
6: Under Siege is a lot of fun. I've been recommending it to men and women alike, stressing it for women as a matter of fact. There's such a joy to the filmmaking and the performances that it doesn't seem all that violent. Tommy Lee Jones, as always, is a credible villain, and Steven Seagal seems more human than ever before. Obviously, I strongly recommend Under Siege, It's one of the best times you're going to have at a movie this year. It was one of mine. And I completely agree with you. And I saw the trailer. You can stop it. I I don't think anybody,
0: I don't think critics would do that these days. Well, Roger mentions my name though. Oh shit. Okay, Uh, then we need to see Roger. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't know he was going to, was going to call you out.
6: Trailer for this movie. I thought, here we go. Die Hard goes to sea. I thought I could predict the whole movie on the way. I could predict the whole movie, but it was really fun because of the performances. And I think you ought to mention the director, Andrew Davis, because this guy is unsung. And he made Code of Silence, which is the best Chuck Norris picture. He made Above the Law, Gal's first film. He made The Package Mm -hmm. with Gene Hackman. He is an extremely efficient action director who here takes a situation that looks completely predictable. And as you say, he has a lot of fun with it. Well, it is mounted very well. And when when that movie term means it's big scale. The shots. what I'm really impressed with is Andrew Davis and his editor... They lay the shots in just when you need them. You're saying, "Hey, wait a minute. What's happening down at the other end of the ship?" And yeah. bang, if he isn't there with that shot and picking up that action. Uh, the the fun of this. We have great casting. Right. We've
0: been Now you've been calls. called. out. Okay, okay, I can't
6: believe you waited
0: 31 years I didn't, to wait. I was I was busy, you
8: know, I don't know. We were busy getting ready for the Fugitive, you know. What ship did you film that on? Well, it's supposed to be the USS Missouri, which we actually photographed in Pearl Harbor for the anniversary. But then we used the USS Alabama in Mobile Bay. Uh huh. Was it Mothball at yeah. the time? it was owned by the state of Alabama. And uh, they gave you free reign, like yeah. they gave Cher to shoot that video? Yeah, and then we wound up building the sets inside. But I'm here to talk about my first movie. Yes, sorry. That's okay. It's a, it's a film that called Stony Island. It was a film made in 1978, and it's being re released by Freestyle Releasing, which is making it available on all these different platforms. This film, I had the best reviews of my career from this film. Better from, than this? Yes. Wow. From Charles Champlin, from Ebert, from Arthur Knight. You know, and it was a story about my kid brother, Richie, growing up on the south side of Chicago, the last white kid on the block, mm-hmm. putting a band together. And oh. it's a story about the music in the south side of Chicago and the cultural collision that has happened over and over again where the black music came up from the south and it melded with Chicago and you got guys like Paul Butterfield and you get people like uh, Herbie Hancock and all kinds of people from the neighborhood of Stony Island. Shaka Khan, Curtis Mayfield, they all come from Stony Island. So this is a story about kids making music together and being a common language.
0: Butterfield, I think, Got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recently, I think, and Curtis Bayfield died recently. Am I making those two things up? That's all I got. Did, um, so in this story essentially about your brother, and you were, you were young. This is your first I was 30 project. years old when I made it. And I said, seen American Graffiti,
8: and I had seen Mean Streets, and I said, I'm going to make a film about my growing up. And I thought it was really interesting to have this texture of the city. And so if you look at Stony Island, you'll see all my other movies. It looks like The Fugitive. It looks like Above the Law. It looks like of Silence* because the neighborhoods and the trains and the fabric of the culture of Chicago is such a part of it.
0: Yeah, just had Dan Aykroyd in here a week or so ago and was talking about the Blues Brothers and Chicago and that whole, that whole vibe. And that was, that was really cool. Well, Dennis sort of Franz out. is in
8: the movie. It's his first picture. He it, was He was in the Organic Theater, and I saw him. And Susanna Hoffs, my the partner of Tammy Hoffs, but her her daughter was a PA who later started the Bengals. Oh, Susanna Hoffs, yeah, and, she's been in here. too. And Ray Don Chong is in the movie, and all kinds of other people. Misha Taylor's daughter, Misha Taylor's in Designing Women. Oscar Brown Junior is in the movie. Oscar Brown Junior and Mayor Daly's funeral is in the movie. And I couldn't. I wanted to shoot Saint Patrick's Day parade. But then Mayor Daly died, so I said a few years later, when well, we need to escape from City Hall and the fugitive, let's shoot the St. Patrick's Day
0: Parade. How would you get the budget
8: together for the film? We scraped $6,000 points, raised $300,000. I had to learn how to do securities laws. I had to learn how to raise money from state to state. And uh, it took a long time, and we finally did it. And a, and a company called World North,
0: Northall bought the movie. What is, uh, what's on the plate for you now? What's the state of the business? Um, I wrote a
8: novel that's coming out next summer called Disturbing the Bones, a political thriller set against an archaeological dig in southern Illinois. I work with a guy named Jeff Pickers, a great writer, and I hope to turn that into a feature film. And um, I'm developing a modern version of Treasure Island called Silver's Gold set in Louisiana with the treasure of Jean Lafitte.
0: Really? Yeah. That sounds good.
8: And then there's another project. I, I got the rights to a Gene Wilder book called My French Whore. I'm calling it My French Amour, which is a World War I spoof, a comedy, a bittersweet comedy set against World this War I. This is a
0: Gene Wilder book? Yep. A novel he wrote. I didn't know he wrote novels. Well, he did. Gene Wilder passed? Their... Oh, yes. Gene has
8: yes. been gone several
0: years. Yeah, COVID screwed me up with people passing. I can't figure out who's here and who's gone anymore. But um, Gene Wilder was quite the talent. Yeah. Um, so you got the, you the rights to his novel, and you're going to do that.
8: Um, you know, we're trying to get all these things off the ground. It's a crazy world right now, you know, with the studios going through, what they're going through, and streaming, and the cost of movies skyrocketing and not making their money back. So... You know people keep saying they don 't make movies like you have anymore, but my movies are playing around the world all day long, yeah, and so so life goes on. I did a documentary a couple of years ago called Mentors about two incredible Italian photographers who are now one just passed at a hundred years old the other 's ninety three Tony Vaccaro and Santi vasale, and it 's available on my website along with the Stony Island and other things andrewdavisfilms.com and it's an amazing story about these two guys <clears throat> one photographed Mussolini hanging upside down with blood coming out of his nose the other one photographed the best pictures of Sophia Loren and all kinds of f- famous people and one helped the other after World War II when they met so it's, it's, it's something I'd like to develop a series about called Mentorship
0: um, and like a series that would end up where? Where would you recommend <laughs> I don't. You've know. had more shows
8: come and go. It's unbelievable. Well, you the, the, read my wiki page. Yeah, you've done a lot of stuff. I don't know. You're a, a real mover. I think of myself as lazy, basically. Who? But j- just making a deal on all these projects is not easy.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't go out and honcho all of them. People come to me, or I just you know basically what I do is I go. Uh, somebody should do a documentary about Paul Newman and his racing life. And then everyone goes, no one's done that. And then I go, oh, then we should do a documentary about Paul Newman's racing career. And then you do one. And then in the course of doing that, you meet interesting characters and you go, hey, that guy, Willie T. Ribbs, first black man at Indy, that guy's an interesting guy. We should do a doc about him. And he then you, pro- he probably had a mentor. Oh, mentors, I, I wonder if we're losing our grip on it or something. I I've, Most of the people I know that are successful got helped by mentorship and want to mentor other people. Um, And I don't know if you experience this, and but I used to say this all the time just a few years ago. I'd go, nobody really asked me any questions. I'll ask you some questions. Go ahead. Did you know that I saw Paul Newman race in
8: Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin? Really? Yeah. What What year was that? Oh my God! It must have been in the uh, '60s. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Smothers Brothers were racing there too. Yeah, they were avid racers as well. Right, right, right. And then, and then I, I, was, I looked up. I looked. I'm, I was a journalism major. I'm a protege of Studs Terkel, so I could get involved with this. Thing. So I wondered, some football players. You're
0: a big football player, right? You almost. You had scholarships and all that? I, okay. What I did with football is I did as much as I could do, given my limited talent with football. But that, it was enough to get scholarships to smaller schools. So when I was a young assistant cameraman, well, first of all, starting
8: college, I waited on Dick Buckus. Oh, just passed. Okay. And then I did a commercial with Bart Starr for Kellogg's. Sure, the great Green Bay Packer. I, I worked with Jim Brown in a film called The Slams and cast him later in another movie. And then I got to shoot a documentary on Jim Plunkett. So those are four major ball players that I feel like I can relate to with you.
0: Yes. Yes, they're all, all pros.
8: And the other thing I want to tell you that my mother and father were in a group called the Chicago Repertory Group
0: with mm-hmm. Studs Terkel. Mm.
8: And there was a woman in that group whose father was the head of the Red Squad, by the way, in Chicago. I don't know what the Red Squad is. Well, they look into the communists. You oh, that okay. squad. Okay. Yes. Okay. So her name was Viola Spolin. Viola Spolin is the mother of, sto- of improvisational theater. Her son, Paul, started Second City. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that you were involved with improvisation, I thought there was a connection there.
0: I was deeply involved with improvisational theater, which I don't think most people think or know about me because they think I'm sort of a construction guy, football player. Like Harrison Luke Ford. Or something. Yes. Although, I, you know, I don't know if you've got his number, but I, people say, oh, Harrison Ford was a carpenter, too. I'd like to have a little competition with him. There's was another all. guy who was a carpenter they put on a cross. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, anyway. J.C. Yeah, I was very much involved with improvisational sketch comedy for, for years and years and yeah. years. There's another movie I want to talk about, hmm. Holes. Holes, I know that movie. Yeah,
8: with Shia LaBeouf and Sigourney Weaver and John Voight and Patricia Arquette and Dula Hill. And Took place in the desert. 20-year anniversary of Holes. We had an incredible screening.
0: Oh, I didn't know Holes was your film. Yeah. Oh, well, see, they left it off my list. Yeah. Yeah, Holes was... Oh, no, it is here. Yeah, I got it. Sorry. His uh, late father, Nathan Davis, played Shia LaBeouf's grandfather in Holes in 2011. Yeah, it was a, a weird film that was also popular, sort of beyond cult status. Like it was a it was a popular film. It was award winning book, a novel, The the Louis Sacker's novel
8: won the Newbery Award and the National Book Award for children. And yeah. so it was beloved by teachers and all kinds of people. And and. And we got to adapt it. And, and the only thing I changed is I, I said to Lewis, you know, this is about a generational curse. I said, put my father in it. Because when I was a kid, my grandmother lived with us for a while in this tiny bedroom where we could jump from bed to dresser without touching the floor. Uh huh. And right. so so my dad, Nate, who who was in Thief, the Michael Manns movie Thief, he's the old guy who shows him how to bust into the safe, the metal. metal really? Largest. Dad, an actor? Yeah. And he and was Ferrari's in— Ferrari's coming out soon. Yeah. And he was in— uh, Uh, Grapes of Wrath on Broadway with Gary Sinise and John Hmm. Malkovich. Wow. Your dad's pretty
0: accomplished or was. Yeah, very. Um, Yeah, Holes was about like a boy's sort of juvie prison camp in the desert and there was these creatures coming out of the ground. Yellow spotted lizards.
8: Yeah. So when I talk to people I say, well, what did you direct? I say, The Fugitive. If they're older, they go, oh my God, my favorite movie, right? If they're younger, they say, I don't know if I saw The Fugitive. I said, did you see Holes? And they go, Oh, my
0: God. Yeah.
8: So I feel lucky. I I, I spanned a couple generations here. And Stony Island is another generation, which is, if you look at it today, it's hip because these are really attractive kids with great music, looking like they did in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had... The musicians who were in the movie and on the score were David Sanborn playing sax on it. Wow. And uh, there was the New York Mafia who did the David Matthews score. Not Dave Matthews, but David Matthews, the, the composer who took over at CTI. Right. And, um, and then there's all this, this young raw talent that Gene Barge, who's the mentor in that movie, was a producer at chess. He's famous Gene Barge. Uh, the record label. Play it, Daddy G. School is out, quarter three. Gary and U.S. Bonds, that's Gene Barge playing sax solo. His rhythm section at Chess was Donny Hathaway. Maurice White, who later started Earth, Wind & Fire. Oh, right. up Church and Minnie Riperton, Saint, Back Up. And Minnie
0: he, Riperton, her hit was Loving You with the super high falsetto voice. Yeah. And her daughter is Night Maya Night. Rudolph. Right. She See? Was, I know stuff.
8: Yeah. So this is the whole Chicago music scene,
0: you know? Wow. I guess Chicago really had it going on, like, long before we started with the Seattle sound and Well, and Louis all that Armstrong
8: stuff. got off the Illinois Central, the 63rd and Stony Island.
0: Yeah. You know, so and Gene Krupa kind of went to my history. high school.
8: Really? Yeah. And Herbie Hancock went down the street to Hyde Park and Shaka Khan
0: and all those other people. Um, so the movie... Did it get a wide release when it came out? No. It, it
8: opened in, for example, it played in 12 theaters in Chicago uh-huh. but to these rave reviews. And black kids started going into white theaters. Uh-huh. And, the, and the theater owners go, uh-oh, we can't let black kids come into the neighborhood to see this movie. They pulled the picture. And we wow. Were, we were devastated. And they tried to re-release it as My Main Man from Stony Island as a black exploitation uh, film, which oh. it's not. Right. And it sort of disappeared. I mean, everybody's career started from that, you know. If the, some of the kids in the band went to go work with Stevie Wonder or Hugo Galicia or Smokey Robinson, that kind of stuff. You think it has a
0: Rotten Tomatoes score? Have you ever checked? I haven't checked. You don't check up on your reviews, do you? Well, I I, I tried to. Let's they send take a them to guess. Me. Well, what do you see if Stony Island has a Rotten Tomato score? But let's—I don't let's, think people even know about it. Well, it, it, did it get reviewed? Yeah, we'll see if it has. Nineteen seventy-eight. One. And then, what would you guess under siege? Now, the fugitive. Give me the fugitive, Stony Island, and uh, under siege. And under siege. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess the fugitive is high, very high. Could okay. be could be into the low nineties, which is pretty damn high for an action. High 80s, low 90s, for sure. That's what the critics. People probably have it higher. Uh, under Siege, people are snobs. Critics are snobs. And I'll bet you the critics have it lower than the people. And Stony Island, I don't know. Okay. Because uh, that could be a no score. Well, you need to watch it. You need to see it. I'll watch it and I'll review it, even though I'm not certified. But I'll do it as an as an audience. Some member. people think you're certified <laughs> or certifiable. All right, what do we got? Let's see if we can put it up on the Which screen. Which one are you going to start with? Start with Stony Island. Let's see if we let's see what the Rotten Tomatoes people had to say about it. Audience forty percent. Nothing with the critics but the critics loved it have three reviews and that should be enough they should just put up with the three put up now 40 percent. that seems low why i don't know fuck those people yeah all right now we go on to uh the fugitive like i said i, I think that's going to be in that oh wow 96 with the critics Une you can't do, I don't know if we call this an action movie, an action thriller or whatever it is. I don't know that you can it's, crack it's, the 90s. It's a drama, it's, too. you know, Yeah, it's, it's, but 96 with the critics, 89 with the people, that is a, that is a very high combined score. Uh, I think that Under Siege is going to be the opposite. I'm going to be lower with the critics and higher with the people. The three reviews, so it says on my screen, of Stony Island are all the three critic reviews are all positive. So it would be a hundred percent on that. All right, Under Siege. Let's see. No, I was wrong. The the critics have it at seventy nine, and the people at sixty two. I was incorrect about that. I figured, I figured it was like a movie for the people, but still, uh, Steven Seagal isn't making it into the seventies. Anymore. Well let me just say this. And you ever talk to him? I haven't talked to him in a long, long time. How was he like to work with? On Above the
8: Law or Under Siege? Either one. Did he change? On Above the Law, it was easy because he was unknown and he you know, he was trying to make his way and he was making his first movie and he was able to follow along what we needed to be done. He contributed a lot. You know, he really contributed a lot. He was, he was beloved. He was an action star who didn't, ha- didn't look like a blonde-haired wasp right. that the kids of color could relate to,
4: mm-hmm.
8: and uh, he, was, he was a real thing in terms of his martial arts and all that kind of stuff. Right. By the time we did Under Siege, he was quite arrogant. Because uh, he got popular. You know, I and mean, he was a, a pain in the A, you know? Mm-hmm. Not always, but some of the time, okay? Like, for example, there's a scene in the, in the, in the uh, kitchen of the USS Missouri. Yes. I, I wanted him to laugh and smile. They're watching Bush on TV at the memorial, right? Right. And he's making fun of the big military guys. Right. And I, you know, I had to sort of be a court jester to get him to smile. And that's why he comes off as human in the movie. Yeah, so he kind of turned into a head case later on. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, anybody who wants to hang out with the mob and Putin, you know, just whatever you want to do. He hung out with the mob, too? Well, you can read the papers. You know, there, was, there were all kinds of things about what they were he was doing with them, what they were doing with him, you know. And Putin. And is he even in the United States anymore? I don't think he—somebody told me he can't come back. Oh, he can't come back? Because there's issues for him here. Tax issues? Uh, uh, sexual I don't know that. Sexual I mean, issues. You know. I, oh. I, I could be wrong, but that's what someone told me. I, I, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Stephen. Didn't mean to offend you.
0: So he's in Russia full
8: time? I believe so. He's a governor of a state in Russia. And oh, he's, he's a governor? He, yeah, he's an ambassador or something like that. <laughs> he travels around teaching people how to defend themselves.
0: I've seen the videos where he beats up 150 Russians anyway but it's always one at a time that's the that's the part yeah man you hang around long enough you see everything don't you well I mean, it's interesting you know i've worked
8: with some real characters in my life
0: and who and, are the biggest characters besides seagal
8: well what's the, the definition of character. gary busey's a character oh my I, god I love Ga- gary was great on under siege you know yes he's a character and uh let's see I loved working with uh, Alan Arkin and Andy Garcia and Steel Big, Steel Little in a movie I did after The Fugitive. Were they characters? Real characters. Oh, really? Real characters. Is character a euphemism for pain in the ass? No, 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 no. Fun. Okay, fun. Fun. Well, It can mean anything. Yeah, I guess so. It can mean anything. Gene Hackman was a tough character. Was he tough to I, Well, you know, I was a young director, you know, and I had to find a way to sort of relate to this incredible actor yes and you know and it's funny because you know he was cutting some lines and Tommy Lee Jones he's messing with my kids he can't cut my lines and Gene was saying well, we don't need to say all these words and Tommy's you know there was a little tension there so that was a very interesting moment for me what movie with was the, that in The sorry. Package of oh, The Package yeah which is a really good political thriller Heckman
0: retired wrote novels went to Santa Fe went to Santa Fe and wrote novels but he's still with us he's right? still with us as far as oh Gene I miss you yeah, he was uh, he was great. I I probably first came across him in the Poseidon Adventure, Irwin Allen. Yeah, I think that was Ir- Irwin Allen. Missed those those days. So how was Tommy Lee?
8: I love Tommy. We did three we did three movies together. All did really well, you know. And he contributes tremendously. He's a great writer of his own dialogue and. You know, bring me – what are you thinking? Well, think me up a chocolate donut with the sprinkles
0: on top. That's his line in The Fugitive. Right. Yeah, so he he contributed. A lot. Um. Yeah, him and no country for old men.
8: Man. Yeah. A lot of people are scared of Tommy. You know, you know I don't – I can understand, but I – You know. It, luckily for me, the connection we – I saw him in a thing called Backroads, I think. There's a Marty Ritt film. He played a boxer. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was really great, so I wanted him to be in the package. And when we first met, he was on a, a, a guard on the Harvard football team. His roommate yeah. was Al Gore. Yeah, he played football at Harvard. Yeah, and the quarterback of that team was George Lalich, who was the quarterback of my Bowen High School team in the East Side of Southeast Side of Chicago by the mills. A Serbian. Wow. And they and they were there was a connection there I could make with him someone i grew up with
0: and that's how you used uh, your old
8: classmate to get in on well his father actually was betting against him in the yale game <laughs> a george's father george's father i don't know tommy's father i knew he was alive
0: by then yeah. jesus christ yeah what a weird strange i mean to, to quote the grateful dead but uh, what a trip yeah. I mean, just to work with all these people, to see all these people. Morgan Freeman, great
8: guy. I loved working with Keanu and Rachel Weitz and chain Reaction.
0: Oh, Keanu.
8: Schwarzenegger. What'd you work with him on? Uh, uh, collateral Damage. Oh, right. And You know, it's interesting. Collateral Damage was supposed to come out the week of 9-11. And if you look at the pictures of the buildings going down and the smoke, there's a picture of Schwarzenegger in the background in a big billboard. Mm-hmm. And so they pulled the movie because it was about a fireman who loses his family right, in an explosion. Right, right, right. They pulled the movie and it opened several months later, you know, and so it really hurt, hurt the opening of the picture. But it was, I would like working with Arnold. Yeah. God, who haven't you worked with? John Turturro was great. He's Turturro? in that movie. Legazamo's yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Let's see. a kid is in Holes.
0: Oh yeah,
8: Dennis Dennis Farina was a cop when I cast him in Code of
0: Silence, and then went on to just basically play a cop in everything, right? Well, not in he didn't play a cop in uh, Midnight Run. No, midnight Midnight Run is another quiet, uh, not quiet, but I don't know, underappreciated and George Gallo, really my,
8: my dear buddy, wrote it, and, and you know, has done
0: real well with it. Midnight Run is one of those movies that. I, my son, who was maybe a couple of years ago, he was maybe fifteen. I was just like, loves movies. I was like, "Have you seen Midnight Run?" He said, "No." I said, "We're just going to sit down and watch this film, and it's just great. It's and it's funny. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really a comedy. And De Niro's essentially. great in it. I De heard you talking about in. De Niro earlier. Well, was, I didn't mess. Well, in. he's turned into an asshole. Well, I disagree. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think you should be proud. You were fired by Donald Trump. It's 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 an accolade, right? I just mean, look, you, there's plenty of room and plenty of reasons not to like Trump. But you don't have to use every forum into some excuse to basically go on a tirade about Trump. That's all. That's well, all I'm I,
8: I, I understand it maybe a one note uh, political uh, position. Yes, yeah, so like
0: we get it. You don't like it. But, uh, but when
8: you, you think just, of the billionaires who own networks who are financing the, 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 the what he wants to say. And you think about the coverage he gets every day. There aren't that many people willing to stand up and say, this is who I think he is.
0: Oh, Trump? Yeah. I feel like everyone has stood up and said who he is. There's not many people. How do the numbers stay this way? Are the people that crazy, dumb? You know, what do you say? Well, half the country votes for Trump, but they don't own the microphones. I mean, the people who own the microphones are pretty clear about how they feel about Trump. And there's nobody, you can watch the Academy Awards. There's not going to be any pro-Trump talk at the Academy yeah, Awards well, no, or I'm the Emmys question, or I'm not anything else.
8: questioning that most people in the media are progressive or liberal or whatever you want to call them, okay? Yeah. Educated. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And and the fact that, that you know, when I was a kid, if you worked in the mills, you made $157 a week. Mm-hmm. You had good public schools, a pension plan, a health plan. Your wife didn't have to work. Yeah. The tax rate on the rich was 70%. Really? Yeah. Ugh. Okay. And so they could support good schools. They could support jobs in America. And there was a middle class. This is what all this whole thing about it's going on with the unions and everything. So what happened was the guys who were the billionaires started all these foundations, hmm. And the foundations could write le- legislation and then they could hire lobbyists and they could take to say, you know, we really think the tax rate should go way down for these guys. Yeah. And then we shouldn't have public schools all the time. You know, and we shouldn't feed kids and this and that. So life and changed in America.
0: Well, I was born in 40. I was born in 46 um, in L.A. We don't. All right. The Democrats don't like school choice they can be educated at a lower cost for, through charter schools and things like that. Yeah. So the answer is is you're paying $20,000 a kid through the school system, and you're not getting results. Somebody says, I can do it for $8,000 a kid, and we'll get better results. It makes sense. But you're against it. Not you, but I just mean the yeah. union is against it. And that's kind of the problem. So I don't necessarily think it's all about we need more money. We spend a ton of money on kids. We're not getting the results we want because i think the bureaucracy is too great i think if you scaled it down and you had school choice you get more bang for your buck so there's this thing which is i was just talking about this with our previous guest i don't think giving the government more money necessarily results in a better outcome that's what that's what i'm saying absolutely i mean think of the military. Yes. I think about anything. Who was, it?
8: Who was it? The Republican head of the military showed up. Rumsfeld, was it? He said Donald Rumsfeld. First day, there's a trillion dollars missing. We don't know where it went. Yeah. And we're still there with the military. Yeah. They, don't, they so, don't know where the money went. So the tragedy is that, you know, as we look at the world today, the weapons industry is blooming. And, yeah. and you know, and when, just to kill people. So, 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 the, the, when you think about all the things that you care about—about about what America should or could be, and what the world should or could be—it's a drop in the bucket if we started taking the money we're all spending on war and
0: death. I agree, but um, De Niro's I, still a douchebag. Is, is yeah. all I, that's all I'm saying. He's stupid. He he he's coming across as dumb because he gets all this and a narcissist. I liked it when he was quiet. The two guys who should have never opened their mouth were uh, Robert De Niro and Bruce Springsteen. They're two guys everyone thought were smart, and then they started talking, and now we think they're dumb. Well, I don't know they what had a cool. said. Yeah, well, He's an idiot, too.
8: Yeah, I, I, well, anyway, I, I, I think that... Uh you know, listen, if if De Niro sounds like he's a kid from New York, he is a kid from New York. No,
0: I get it. And, and he, he knows
8: another kid from New York who came from the big shot kid named Trump. You know, and he's, he's, he's it's like two street kids I, I get looking it. at each other.
0: He and every human being in the auditorium he's addressing hates Trump and is vocal about it. So now shut up, get your ward and go home. Well, we he, know where he, you I stand. Think, I think, yeah, okay. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, You're they, not converting anybody in that church. So why, So let's talk about why Apple cut it out. Because they don't want to offend Trump? I don't, I don't think anyone's worried about offending Trump. Everybody offends <laughs> Trump. It's nonstop. Well, he says, I'm going to look into your taxes. I'm going to get rid of the
8: Justice Department if I get reelected. You know, we're going we're to go after everybody. That's what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, because they've been going after him. Oh, let me ask you a question. Hunter Biden's laptop, real or fake? I don't know anything about it. You don't know? I haven't been studying that part. 51 experts said it was fake Russian disinformation. Who are those people? That his laptop information yes. was fake? Yeah, I'm saying it's a two-way street. What yeah. do you think Biden's doing? I don't know. They're all doing it. Yeah. Sad. Well, that's, not, that's now where we're living. Yeah. But I don't think anyone's scared to say anything about Trump because they've been saying it non nonstop. Well, they're not scared to say anything about <laughs> Biden either. Yeah, that's true. But so they that's just how don't polarized we are. Yeah. Well, the left says this about Trump. The right says that about Biden. Here we are. But they're... so. So let me ask you a question. If you hmm. had to write an agenda to feed
8: kids in America and not get them shot anymore. Mm-hmm. To prioritize families and being able to keep people together in, in a, you know, so that if there's a father and a mother and a house
0: to live in, that's how you have healthy kids. Of course. Right? Always been a fan of what that. What would you recommend? Um, I think what you have to do is you have to go – you have to be honest. And I know that always sounds like bullshit at the top. You have to go, who is – okay, where do all the problems stem from? The problems stem from broken families. The problems stem from single family, single mom, whatever. That's statistically everyone in jail, everyone involved with crime, everyone who fails out of school, everyone who has all the societal ills that we don't want them to have. It all starts with a broken family. And when you look at the families that are intact, they do much better in all facets of life in terms of incarceration and everything else. So the first thing you have to do is you have to go, who needs our help and who doesn't need our help? The black community needs our help. The families are broken. So then you have to say, what should that help be? And you have to go, what have we done and how is it working? I feel the same way about the homeless community. Like we just spent $16 billion in California for homeless. We have more homeless problems now. So it's not necessarily they need more funds. It's they need a program. We need to implement something. We need to figure something well, I mean, out. it's
8: interesting you mentioned that because first, there's two there's two aspects. Which of those people are 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 completely mentally ill? Yes. And then if you're developing social services in California, I'm going to come to California. It's warm, and they're going to take yes. care of me. Yes. So that means you know rather than being in the subway in
0: Chicago. Yes. It begat, We we create a welcoming environment for it, and we have more of it. Right. That's that's how that works. Yeah. So. You have to figure out what are we talking about, who, who are the communities that are not flourishing, who is flourishing, and family and education is something I've always said. That's, that's the way out. But you know, it's
8: interesting. You've got some of these mass shooters coming from families with
0: mothers and fathers, and you know, and the, the father bought him the gun. You know yeah, I mean? but uh, that, that's, here's the, I, I don't want to get mired in mass shooters because it's fringy stuff. As, as much as people like to really drill down on it and talk about it a lot, statistically, it doesn't. It's not impactful. You know, there's many more kids just shot by other kids in shitty neighborhoods in Chicago and and Baltimore and everywhere else. You know what I mean? And the death toll is much higher in those numbers than the mass shooters. The mass shooters is kind of glorious in a macabre way, and well, we focus it's, it's, on it's, it, it's, and it, it captures headlines. It seems more tragic. It seems more tragic, but a 14-year-old dead is a 14-year-old dead. Right. And so the question is,
8: you know, to go back to the, the family and the structure and the opportunities to be able to keep that cohesive form, you know. Yes. And, and it, it goes back to work. It goes back to jobs and schools. Yes. You know, my mother taught kids how to read Chicago for 30 years. Yes. You know, and, and, and if, you, if you give nurturing to kids and you give them the skills to, you know, get a job and go do things that have the motivation that they can succeed besides, be,
0: you know, becoming a, a criminal. Yes. But the government's not very good at bestowing that on people. That starts at home. Yeah. And that's well, the, the, the problem. You know, the, the
8: one option has been the military. You go yeah. in the military,
0: you get a corps, all that kind of stuff. Well,
8: that's what I think. I think, you know, you take people who who need support and help and you put them to work. You, yes. you, you rebuild the country. You rebuild the hospitals. You support old people. think think a number of old people from the 40s and 50s who were born then, who are going to need help getting older. How many people old and single and yeah, no family? But
0: also, people have to get their shit together. They have to save money. They have to plan. I mean, at a certain point, it's on you. It's not the government is not going to intervene. If they do, they're going to fuck it up. If you're going to retire, start planning. Like there's going to be an element. No, of 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 course that's the case. Personal responsibility. That there's always people in between.
8: For one reason or another. You know the people who go broke because they can't afford their medical bills. People lose, they lose their houses and they're you know, trying to pay their bills. So there's a certain percentage of people
0: who are just vulnerable or got, got a really bad deck. Cards. Yeah, I get it. But, again, we can't worry about the – what I would call – we just have to work in terms of big to small statistics and, and everything else. That's the way I do it. I know when people go like, "Oh, what about this?" or "What about the one kid?" or "This the whatever." I go, "Sorry to hear it, but we got to work in terms of masses here." I, I could correct everything, but the, no, no. One no. Is I mean,
8: me. I think it gets back to is like you said. You know, how do you have healthy families? How do you have
0: a support system and love? That's it. It's one hundred percent family based. It's not look the school can only do so much if the kid comes home to chaos and and poverty and everything else. It's just, it's the family needs to stay intact. You had Look, a rough upbringing in what I read. Yeah. And you were on your own early on.
8: Yeah. So you, you in spite of those issues, you you survived it pretty well.
0: Yeah. What I did is I said, uh, nobody's going to take care of me, including the state. I'm not looking to any politicians. I'm not looking for any legislation. I'm not looking for anybody. I'm poor, and I need to fucking go to work. And I worked. And that that was it. I worked at McDonald's. I didn't like it. I dug ditches. I didn't like it. I went to a construction site, and I dug ditches. And I was like, I'm, I'm tired of digging ditches in the sun. I want to get in the house where the carpenter is going on. And at some point, I worked my way into the house. And then once I got in the house, I was like, I'm going to be a carpenter now because I don't want to go back out and dig ditches in the sun. And I was desperate, and I didn't have any support. But I knew I had to work. I didn't blame anybody. I didn't, I didn't look for any politician to save me. I just said, it's going to be up to you. Sink or swim. And there is a, a thing that can level the playing field for you. You're just going to have to outwork everybody. You'll, you'll, you'll work your ass off. And I think if you work your ass off, things will work out. And that's what I did. Yeah. All right, Andrew. We've come to the end of our segment. But this has been an interesting conversation. Good. Um, I will say that I'm going to be doing stand-up tonight. One show in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, at the Fargo Theater over there. So come on out. Then Nashville, Zany's, four shows. So you got to work Friday and Saturday. And then Huntsville, Alabama, two shows on Sunday. Andrew Davis, the movie, Stony Island, 45th anniversary. We should go to the website. Am I right? Andrew but, Davis? But it's available on all,
8: all platforms. Freestyle releasing. It's on all the digital platforms. And if you go to my website, you can also see this documentary with Quincy Jones and Chuck D, The Making of Stony Island with wow. Susanna Hoffs and everybody else. How we, make
0: the, how we put this little film together years ago. Um, so do that. Also, uh, Jeff Leach. Jeff Leach, a comedy spectacular that's available. And you can go to his website, JeffreLeach.com as well. And Jeremy Boring as well. So until next time, it's Adam for Jeremy and Jeff and Andrew saying,
2: mahalo. Make sure you get a copy of Adam's latest book, Everything Reminds Me of Something. It's available where finer books are sold. Leave us a voicemail at 888 634 and get your tickets to see The Ace Man at adamcarolla.com.
1: Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like Holiday Movie Favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV, stream now, pay never.